When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go. This is impulsive. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what up? Welcome to episode something. I just watched the part of the Logan Paul podcast, so I'm like ready to be crazy. Oh, yeah? Talk about our sex lives. Ready to be zany? <laughs> Dude, I'm glad. I actually, that's a great segue. So I wasn't sure if this is podcast appropriate, but okay. I have two stories I know you're going to love. Okay. So I want to tell them to you. I haven't told them to you yet. And then we can just decide if we edit this out or not. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the first, my friend just found out he's accidentally an accomplice to adultery really so yeah someone i know yes someone i know well i'm not gonna say any more details can we just bleep your name just say this person's name no yes say it and then bleep their name cover the face go really yeah (laughs) so here are the details okay my friend he said specifically he's like just don't don't uh don't yeah, yeah, gas yeah, me yeah, on yeah, this. Yeah. but he said i could share so he matched with a girl on tinder and her profile was like a little bit the photos were fuzzy but she looked cute so he's like okay like blah 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 can i get your instagram gets her instagram oh this girl's really attractive it's a different name than her tinder profile but i'm not gonna think too much on that because like whatever people are weird about tinder sometimes they go out regular night no wedding ring i told him this she mentions i told him this she mentions <laughs> that she is in the middle of a divorce process i told him this. and he goes okay yeah whatever like yep that does happen subsequent date she's wearing her wedding ring he goes why is that she goes oh like it's just formality the divorce thing like lawyer said i should he goes oh okay weird their last date they're going for a walk, and she keeps getting phone calls that she ignores. Finally, she goes, right, yep. I got to take this. She picks it up, and it is her current husband who is, where are you? What are you doing? This and that. She had told my buddy that he was in New York, and now he is calling saying, I'm on, I'm in your neighborhood, yep. and I am seeing you on a date. And so my buddy finally, like, it all clicks into face, and he just goes, oh, my God. I just completely bought all her lies, yep. hook, line, and sinker. And she's, she is married. She's not going through divorce profile. And I'm the other guy, and I didn't mean to. And he's just, like, totally messed up about it. Feels yeah. really guilty about it. Well, and I, I just thought it was so fascinating because you always assume the other guy's just a total scumbag. Yeah. But he got completely played for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I thought it was interesting. I thought you'd think it was interesting. I said this was the case. Yeah. And the reason I said, and it, it's a bummer that this is true, and I hate to generalize, but this person, this woman is Brazilian. And you and I lived in Brazil. And what we encountered there was very different. I'll say it. We didn't live in Brazil. We lived in Rio de Janeiro, in a particular part of Rio de Janeiro. I didn't meet every Brazilian. Okay. (laughs) What we encountered 
much more than in America, is a different culture around lying. Yeah. Lying is not something you feel ashamed of unless you are outed. It does not bother Yeah, the there's, no, there's a lot who, less guilt for most people that we met. So totally. I noticed that many people in America, when they lie, feel both shame and guilt. They feel shame publicly, but also this personal eating at them when they're doing something. And it creates all sorts of discomfort yeah, in that situation. Yeah, you sleep over it. You're not sure what to do. I watched and saw uh, bosses take their employees to, I don't know what to call them other than— Whorehouses. <laughs> yeah, that's what Four they houses. were. Uh, and after, like the day after they took their employee to meet their wife for dinner and mm -hmm. with no— what she doesn't know doesn't hurt her was the attitude constantly down there it was i watched multiple friends of ours who would be like upstanding kind people just have dual lives mm -hmm. which they felt no personal issue with except in circumstances where they were caught yeah and so i knew this story <laughs> and when i knew that this person was brazilian i said be careful i'm not yeah. saying all brazilian people will lie to you but i'm saying there are different cultures around lying, and when guilt is not a motivating factor and it's only shame and you're in a – yeah, it becomes tougher to catch that. So so my question to you If you is, are Brazilian and you're a fan, by the way, let me know if you think that's an accurate read in the comments. I definitely don't want to mischaracterize because, of course, this is an entire country and an entire culture. Yeah, we were in Rio, and we were hanging out with that people was that were in experience. their 20s, and they were – in zona sul yeah and that was our experience yeah yeah so please let me know because i think it's i think it's fascinating how that was that was such a culture shock to me down there there's a number of things that were different but the lack of guilt around lying was was dumbfounding yeah. to me yeah i don't have any takeaways i just thought you would think that story was interesting i i called it yeah. <laughs> i called it man i got a second story okay it's an a tangent yeah because it's about infidelity okay so i was uh, i was hanging out with a woman last night and she was telling me about her friend and this fits exactly kind of the relationship stuff we were talking about last week, which is this woman has a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. They live together. They've been together for two years. She described him as super nice. He treats her really well. She travels. She lives in L.A. She travels to New York. And her ex sees on Instagram that she's in New York, hits her up. How do you had know a, this person, by the way? Sorry, I missed the connecting uh, fiber. I was with a woman last night, and this is her friend. She was okay. giving me the gossip because she knows that I find Okay. All the relationship stuff yeah, fascinating. Yeah. I really love relationship stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so anyway, so this woman is in New York, meets up with her toxic ex, hooks up with them. They don't sleep together, but they hook up. She comes back here and she's asking her friends, what do I do? And her friends are like, you either got to tell your, your boyfriend or you got to break up with him. Mm -hmm. And she goes, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do that. What I'm going to do, I like this other guy sexually I'm, I'm really drawn to him i really want to have sex with him but i'm not going to i don't feel that way about my current boyfriend but i'm not going to change anything or tell him what i'm going to do is stay with him until i find somebody who i feel both ways about and then i'll leave but i don't want to leave now <laughs> brutal brutal you just your heart dies for yeah. this other guy who's yeah. what she would describe he's he's so nice and she lit, she says quotes which which remind me of other relationships i've seen where she's like i wish he would be mean to me once so that I could break up with him. Mm -hmm. like, I wish he would give me the excuse yeah, yeah. of screaming at me one time so I could break up with him. But he's so nice that I can't. And I feel guilty. So I'm going to stay with him. But I don't like him. They're yeah. 22 years old, by the way. Yeah, yeah. It's like this only gets worse for you. This only ends with him continuing to bend over backwards while you start treating him worse and worse. Man. Until you hate him for not standing up to you. 
and then you break up 10 years from now instead of today. Yeah, and then he becomes but she, incredibly bitter and goes, women are... Yeah, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. And then you guys <laughs> both just hate each other yeah, and yeah. the other genders. And my, my question to you in this story is, how do you not be that guy? Because we grow up and we're told, treat your significant others like a princess, like a queen. And mm -hmm. I actually don't think that alone is maybe bad advice, but it's this idea of... I think it is. I think treat anyone well, like a prince or so let's, her so queen. So just hear me out. So it's like, you want to be good to your partner, right? Yeah. You want to make them happy. You want to sacrifice for your relationship and for your partner's happiness. And you're hoping that they'll do the same thing. But in the meantime, it's about that small of a line from being a pushover that your significant other doesn't respect, who gets walked all over and cheated on. And by the way, this guy has no idea he got cheated on. Mm -hmm. And she came back and they lived together and they slept in the same bed that night probably didn't have sex but like mm -hmm. he held her so how do you not be that person in the relationship who thinks that you're sacrificing everything for the other person and being a great boyfriend or girlfriend while just getting walked all over and cheated on well you're you kind of asked two different questions i think you you made the presumption that it was because he was treating her like a princess that that happened which i may or may not be it so i guess the first question generally is how does one avoid being cheated on mm -hmm. i think the i think it's tough i think what you're you, the only way to screen for that is honesty because people will make mistakes do stuff that that happens drink happens i think the only way to do it is to check their level of honesty in their life with the people around them so when you i'm sure this person has an experience where her friend said something and she, instead of talking to her friend, went around the friend's back to do something or was upset with a boss or a sister or sure, a Sure, on a smaller scale, she's dishonest with he her friend has seen or her coworkers. Her, yes, I would bet dimes to dollars he's seen her be dishonest. Mm. He's seen her have the opportunity to, to confront someone close to her with a difficult truth and watched her not do it. Mm. So he's got evidence and he thought, not me. That yeah, won't yeah. happen to me. And that's the hardest thing is screening for honesty even as it doesn't pertain to you mm -hmm. is really hard. If, and if you don't get that, I'm, it doesn't mean the person's going to cheat on you. It just means that they might not tell you if they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so like, that's kind of where I'm stopping it. Now, what's going to prevent someone from cheating? I honestly don't know. I think the, the honest to God limiting factor as I scan over relationships in the world is access. You can put incredibly moral people in situations where they have access enough times mm -hmm. and you wait until they're upset with their spouse, they've had a drink or two or three, they've, uh, that person is someone from their past, and that can happen. And I'm not at all advocating that you limit someone's access, but in the friends that I know That's who have the cheated, the number one thing is I was in a different country and I, and I could get away with it. Yeah. I'm not cheating on her when she's sitting next to me. And I get why people, though I, I would never want to have a relationship like this, I get why people are possessive and checking because that is one way to stop cheating. Mm -hmm. I personally think the better thing to do is try to screen for honesty such that yeah, if yeah. cheating does happen, you hear about it and you can make the decision. So, so my take is that this relationship really lacks communication about the relationship because mm. i don't think he knows that she thinks he's bad in bed yeah i don't think that he knows that she thinks that they're fizzling out mm -hmm. i think in the name of not rocking the boat she doesn't bring that stuff up because she thinks that he's going to be upset or something mm -hmm. and i'm not excusing her behavior at all because cheating is bad but i think the number one thing you can do is create a relationship where your partner feels safe enough to tell you when things aren't going well yeah to be able to have the conversation where she goes listen I think you're amazing as a roommate. 
I think you're great as a friend. Mm -hmm. Our sex life is so unexciting to me. I am just slowly losing the desire to have sex with you at all. Yeah. And, and create a relationship where she can say that. And you're just like, that really sucks to hear, (laughs) but I'm glad you said it. And then you can maybe figure out how to fix it. So how does one do that? Fix the sex life or no, create how the, does one create those circumstances? So this is going to suck for everyone that's in a relationship, but I think it's the easiest thing to do is start it from day one. Okay. I think the easiest thing to do is you'll on your end, find yourself wanting to bite your tongue Yeah. to not upset your partner. And the best thing you can do is lead by example. I agree. Go so first. the best thing you can do is day two or day seven, there will be something that you don't like. So they'll be on their phone at dinner mm-hmm. or they'll have said something, whatever it is. And you'll go, I'm not going to say anything about this because I don't want them to not like me. This is a small thing. I'm going to bite my tongue. That's going to create a relationship where you both bite your tongue. Yep. Or she's going to have to, or he's going to have to be the bigger person and start, which you never want to bank on. So yeah, I think the best thing you can do is go first. Don't bite your tongue. Potentially break some relationships. If honesty is going to break you guys up, let it. And <clears throat> that will foster a relationship where you start with the small stuff. And then by the time you get to the big stuff, you've kind of boiled the frog. Yeah. What do you do if you're in a four-year relationship <laughs> and you suspect you're being cheated on and you don't know how to create honest I actually know what to do. I'll suggest this. If So just to elaborate on what you said, I actually have found that that level of honesty early on, it doesn't ruin relationships like you think it will. There's this belief that if I express something that I do not like or negative, therefore I do not like this person. Mm-hmm. And really separating behaviors from the totality of a person is so helpful to do. Be like, I don't like this or I don't like that. doesn't mean I don't like you. Yeah, letting them know that's mm-hmm. how you think is, mm-hmm. is also helpful. Letting them know that you separate the two in your mind. And separate the guilt. So when you don't like something about someone that you care about, there's often guilt that is associated mm-hmm. with it. And if you view it as a me- like a mechanistic thing that happened, which it's just important that you share in a loving way as opposed to, oh my God, I'm a horrible person because I thought that when they chewed with their mouth open, that you know, whatever it is that they did, uh, I, I think that it makes for better relationships. But if you're in this long relationship, read Radical Honesty, say, hey, honey, my man, my woman, whatever. <laughs> I've been reading this book. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. And they have exercises in it for couples, which they do. Page 200-ish. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, they're going to be tough, but I want to do some with you. And yeah. they actually step they step you through them. The first one is, which is for some people easy, for some people hard, is go through your sexual history. And each person sits there and for like a half an hour, he says roughly, starting at the beginning – Tell them your sexual history because this yeah. is where most people lie because what this woman hasn't said to that guy is from day one I knew you weren't the best sex in my life. Yep. It's not why like she she knew that right away and uh, I hope that it would get better but there was this guy three years ago that rocked my world. Now that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. But the only way that it changes is if we can start from the baseline truth. Yeah. As long as this guy thinks he's, he's blowing her mind rocking her world or at least satisfying her nothing can change. Sure. So that exercise is great. And then you do the resentment exercise, which we've labeled the resentsies. The resentsies. We do the resentsies. <laughs> we do the resentsies awards, the 2019 Yeah, resentsies. we do. We do them with each other. And that one sucks. It's no fun. And it's always worth it. You yeah. know, it's uh, you sit down and one person is quiet and the other person says, it, it normally, you got to get going. You're like, I don't resent anything about you. Yeah. I'm good. And then you get going. And, no, and that people should read the book. Yeah. But normally when i say to have different difficult conversations it would say speak about pure facts or i feels right Mm -hmm. and when it comes to radical honesty these are small periods of time where you can just speak from the heart you can be unfair in characterizing the other person in this environment you create that's that's for that purpose which is just to make the other person 
understand what's going on in your head because it's already going on in your head. Mm -hmm. And if, if they can't be in your head, then your relationship is going to end at some point soon anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man, relationships are hard. <laughs> uh, fascinating though, right? Yeah. It was I... interesting to hear the quotes. The exact quotes of what she says are, to me are the most fascinating part. Like, he treats me so well, so I'm not going to break up with him for this other guy. I'm just going to date him until I find somebody better. Mm-hmm. Just like, wow, this is the most selfish thing you could possibly do for this other guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, for your current boyfriend. That shows a lot of care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, brutal. real concern for him because you might... You might be alone for a period of time between him and Prince Charming. You know what the worst thing that could happen is? She, she think, luckily she's 22. This relationship will end. Them getting she, married. Could be, she could be older and going, well, I've only got six months before I need to get married. So I'm going to give it six months to try to find a better guy. And yeah. if I don't, I'm going to marry this one. Yeah. Oh, it's, so there was, this is uh, interesting. There was a study that came out. And I think I wanted to talk in this podcast later because uh, the study essentially said that People who are in relationships uh, are not necessarily happier than single people. Mm. Now, there's there's a lot of things to take apart in there. What I wanted to talk about was I clicked the link, clicked the link, and I went to the study. And it was a study run by, like, the University of Michigan where they called 300 people in the state of Michigan who had previously said that they would like to be participate in studies and asked them a handful of questions. Yeah. Uh, and then determined that. And by every factor, you know, money, whatever, they were doing better. Except, apparently, when they asked them about life satisfaction, people in relationships reported higher life satisfaction. <laughs> so even the title of the relationship and one of the key findings, or the title of the article and one of the key findings seemed to contradict one yeah, another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That does were, seem like the opposite of... They were performing better in, like, uh, you know, in objective measures of work or whatever. But the other thing of who cares what 300 people... Yeah. That's not a sample that is at all relevant 300 michigan residents yeah so f transition so i spoke to paul our good friend yesterday okay he was he was uh wonderful he was very just saying nice things hey just called to tell you i'm very proud of you (laughs) thanks man yeah yeah uh and but we got to talking and it the question that came up for me as as we were discussing was i said that i'm very pleased with kind of the way that the world seems to be moving and maybe this is just my own inner projection but i feel like i have become recently more concerned with spheres outside of myself and i have a platform by which to share it and i, I feel like that's happening but i wanted to ask because i think that that's obviously very myopic and that's just my view are you an optimist or a pessimist with how the world is moving these days do you think that it's going to end a nuclear holocaust that tribalism is happening trump is the beginning of, of the end of yeah, things yeah. breaking down or do you see things generally getting better neither neither so i don't think humans have changed that much in the last 500 years maybe even thousand years i think that circumstances change technology lets more news get out blah 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 but i think that there was someone elected a hundred years ago somewhere in the world and that country thought that the world was ending and in Mm -hmm. the cold war we were sure that nuclear holocaust was right around the corner and i'm sure during the world wars it sucked and people thought it was the end times Mm -hmm. and i think people have just been predicting the end times since time started basically started with the mayans or whatever a thousand years ago saying that magic was going to kill it and then y2k was going to end the world and i just think the world will just keep trucking. Well, I don't let's, think... let's save the end times. Do you see the general trajectory of humanity as uh, an upward slope or a downward slope or, or a flat slope? Quality of life or or how altruistic they are. 
let's well because you said that you find yourself as you get older caring more about the outside yeah, let's world say that than let's say like 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 let's say the average and i know this is the hippie word but the average level of consciousness no flat you think flat? i think it depends where you look i think yeah. if you look at certain people and how completely consumed they are on instagram with mm -hmm. their own self-image how how they spend their money on editing and buying followers and it's just all me 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 mm -hmm. you could be convinced the world is completely vapid and completely self-centered or you look at other people that are giving to charity or the bill gates and melinda gates foundation and you go wow the billionaires of the world have started to finally care yeah. and people are just people some part of the population is really self-centered some part of the population is altruistic and i think that's been true since marcus aurelius mm -hmm. um so yeah i don't think that the world is ending and i don't think people are necessarily evolving i think that reach has increased you know your altruism a thousand years ago might have looked like deciding to spend more of your time repairing the houses of your neighbors mm -hmm. and now you're capable of raising a lot of money for wells in africa but yeah someone a thousand years ago had the same epiphany as you and went i'm going to help the world and mm -hmm. at that same time had a vapid neighbor and now you're having this realization while there's an incredibly vapid person doing something that's totally me focused so yeah i think it. it's pretty flat so i think it's up and here's and this is this was very myopically focused but it was started because paul called me because i told him about our charity mm -hmm. he said he told his friends about his charity and he's and he's like i think that there is a possibility of a chain and we have this podcast it's not huge and we have a channel that's not huge mm -hmm. and of course i guess i'm i'm viewing it perhaps within a span of 10 to 20 years but over the last, say, 20 years, what I saw, and even 50 years, news used to be an hour show that you watched, and then it got shrunk and shrunk and shrunk and shrunk, and it was uh, a shorter segment, and then it was a tweet, and then it was a headline, and then it was just screaming <laughs> about negative things that have happened. And our media also shrunk in attention spans to basically just trigger the most viral of emotions, mm -hmm. which is essentially anger. And then I think something that I didn't predict would happen, and it's small, but I do think it's there's people who listen to podcasts, and it's not the number one thing that people do, but I am shocked that the average human psyche would listen to two people sitting on a couch discuss a big idea when they have the option of Twitter and Facebook. And I don't know that it's everybody, but I hear at least more removing from facebook I, I see that at least in my group you know stepping away from twitter stepping away from facebook interested in bigger ideas long-form content and i do think that good ideas require that so at least within the media landscape i see the opportunity uh, the environment that is good for better ideas to spread sure. rather than for worse ideas but why why wouldn't that just bring us back to pre-internet even in terms of altruism you know certainly there was a time mm -hmm. where people would watch hour-long TV shows and read newspapers, would that mean that they were more altruistic because their number one form of media they consumed was long-form enough for complex ideas? Because then you'd say any use of Instagram means the death of, not the death, but the, a decrease in altruism. If your hypothesis is that the longer form of content, the more altruistic a society. No, no, and it's, that's, that's not, uh, that would be overly simplistic. But I think, and again, this not is not- Not to kill your buzz. No, 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 this, no, this isn't, this isn't, um, it's, it's not uh, podcast equal better world, certainly. Mm -hmm. And again, this is just from my world. And maybe I'm just getting older. Maybe 30-year-olds have different interests than 24-year-olds do. And yeah, so do. My, my, the people around me are becoming more otherly focused, yeah, I, I think that's say. almost impossible to argue against. The sure. child is going to be very self-interested, mm -hmm. right? Three-year-old, for the most part, will, will be 
less altruistic and more focused yeah, yeah. on absolutely no there's there's an evolution gimme, that occurs gimme, gimme, me, me, me. naturally over the lifespan so yeah, i think i think the impact the fact that your friends are 32 might be the biggest reason yes but we have a 22 year old friend for and this is just one mm -hmm. that we met on the internet mm -hmm. that we could not have ever been put in touch with yeah, yeah. pre this and i think without con he has a channel but he also knows us mm -hmm. and so for a 22 year old who has access to 32-year-olds, we often remark how impressed with him we are yeah, yeah. because he is adopting ideas that are beyond his time mm -hmm. and becoming uh, less self-centered, less party boy, less whatever you would expect from a 22-year-old. Mm -hmm. And I, I see those opportunities increasing, at least in my own life. That's just, that's just what I encounter. Yeah. Now, maybe that's the reflection I think, of me. I think it's an N of one, yeah. It I, could I be. think that it there were 22-year-olds that were super selfish uh, 50 years ago and i think that there were 22 year olds that were really focused on charity and altruism and their community well so so unfortunately given that we disagree we're going to spin in circles because we have no data yeah, here. yeah I there's, agree. there's no no there's no reason to bat it back and forth but no i think that people <laughs> are people and i think that the tools we have vary over time and i think that our core psyches are pretty flat and mm -hmm. i think that throughout the span of recent time there have been tons of selfish people and tons of great people Mm -hmm. And I think that's true across parties and time periods well, and genders. And so, so you think, well, then that same thesis would say that 500 to today is not much better than 500 years ago. It's not much better than 500 years before that. Altruism or quality of life? Say altruism. No, yeah, I don't think it is. I think we could prove that this is the most altruistic time. I, I, at least what I've heard, there are facts that this is the most altruistic time that has ever existed. I think people just looked at their community because of the technologies. You wouldn't try to dig a well in Africa if 500 years ago you lived in Connecticut. But I mean, I, think, I just mean general giving, general uh, willingness to part with whatever one had acquired. So oh, I would question that. I think I actually think we we'd have, have to look at the, we have this, yeah, probably we'd have the to look least at the data. sense of community ever in major cities in the history mm -hmm. of humanity. The least, sorry, the least sense of community. I think that 500 years ago, you probably really cared about your neighbors, and when someone went got sick, they didn't task rabbit food to themselves. Mm -hmm. They had neighbors that would take care of them, and then when their neighbor got sick six months later, they would take care of them. And now when I get sick. I use the Heal app to get a doctor to me. I use Postmates to get food to me. But I don't think that most people in major cities have this group of 20 or 30 people that they see every day that they all go in on like a little kibbutz, you know, a little communist community. And they go, listen, when one of us goes down, the other 29 are going to be there through mm -hmm. thick and thin and we'll just rotate. Uh, I think in 2019 in major cities, that's less common sure. than in rural areas and in the past pre technology so i i would be super interested to see any if anyone had done a study now we can we would obviously both agree that quality of life has improved yes yeah, massively we wouldn't argue with that massively uh, and i think the level of altruism in terms of reach is different because like i said i think well, this is this, this was so, so I, I think maybe maybe the, here's a bridge part of what we recognize is that i'm only able to give because i have achieved the maslow's basic level of needs yes. right people cannot think about a larger sense of giving back until they have food, shelter, mm -hmm. and, and even status to a degree. So I part of what I do think is happening, and you mentioned the tech billionaires, is that an increasing number of people are getting those bottom layers of the pyramid handed to them. Sure. Which allows, for the first time ever, the possibility of higher self-actualized things to start to take place. I think people give to afar to strangers more. Mm -hmm. But I don't I think the altruism score that you would have in mm -hmm. terms of the amount of time and money that you spend on other people wouldn't be higher because I, I do think there was a much bigger sense of community. I think there was a bigger sense of helping your neighbor, mm -hmm. you know, got it. And so now you're helping people in Africa, which is awesome. But you're not 
thatching roofs when things go bad. You know what I mean? You're just calling your landlord or, mm-hmm. or telling your neighbor to figure it out for themselves, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I do see what you're saying. I, I, I still think, I guess, that the point of the Maslow's thing stands in the sense that, yeah, if you have a greater number of people that have the basic number of things taken care of, there's, you can't thatch your neighbor's roof when your roof is, is totally messed up and you can't feed yourself. No, but you would right? sacrifice more in a community that you relied on. So and that so we, we don't... Uh, I got it. And, and this is getting a little bit too heady. And then I go, is that altruism or is that enlightened selfishness? At all that point? altruism yeah. is enlightened <laughs> selfishness. Sure, sure. Well, then, then I think the scope, and we've said this, the scope of what one defines as even though our community is not tightly tied to our neighbor, mm-hmm. the, the role of the human community, sure. I do think for many people, is expanded. And it's not amazing, but the fact that there's a modicum of concern for Hong Kong, for, the, like, yeah, for yeah. these sorts of things. Uh, I'm optimistic. I think, and I don't know that, that this has happened many well, times concern, in history. I wonder how much of the concern for Hong Kong results in action and how Very much little. of the concern for Hong Very Kong little. is because you want to <laughs> label yourself publicly as someone who's concerned about Hong totally. Kong. Totally. I agree. Or or it's a uh, it's a wonderful thing to project your frustration with the man onto. Exactly. Yeah. If you hate the man or if you just want people to think that you're worldly, so you're tweeting about it. Yeah. But not actually doing anything to help anyone in Hong Kong. We should Kong. make a bet. We should make a bet for 20 years from now if we could pick a measure and we can we can see what I don't even know what we would measure, but yeah. I'm optimistic. I think and may, and you're right. I am looking only to my own life, mm-hmm. but I think with the advent of uh an ex- like regular people are coming up to me and being interested in psychedelics, which I think is is one of the things that transforms your sense of me 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 to a greater a greater whole. Uh I I would let's let's come up with a metric for next week, okay. and we'll do a handshake bet for twenty years from okay. now of what direction things go. And if it's flat, you win, and I'll give you yeah. yeah. I, it's always it's just I think it's just always been the end time. It's always where you focus, you yeah. know. It's always where you put your energy. Okay. You, if you and I spent a week hanging out with the most vapid influencers in the world, sure, you'd come away <laughs> being like, I can't believe how self interested. The, the younger generation is. Mm-hmm. They're so self-interested. And then we could hang out with a different group of 22-year-olds that were super altruistic and you go, wow, the younger generation is so evolved. They're so conscious. The world's heading in a great direction. And it's yeah. like, yeah, there's 7 billion people. Yeah. Where are you going to focus? That's what your recency bias is going to tell you sure. the world is like. Totally, totally. I agree with that. I'm still I'm still going to make that I know up. you do. Yeah. <laughs> what else you got? I got some stuff. What did I write down? Oh, this is a fun one in the world of fake news. I have become so jaded about news, man. I don't trust any of it. ABC News mistakenly aired a video of a Kentucky gun range. Did you see this? No. During its coverage of Turkey's attack on northern Syria in October 2019 and said it was footage from Syria. Hmm. And it is footage from a Kentucky gun range. And it aired on national television. And so they were like, the drone strikes are like they like had a... They just they were just talking about Syria. They said the attacks in Syria are getting worse. And behind him on a green screen, because the news is these bullets flying overhead and they're impacting things and there's explosions. Oh, and he's, man. And he's going, he's going, things in Syria are taking a turn. It's getting really bad. And someone went, I know that footage. It's from a Kentucky gun range and I can prove it. Wow. And then I was like, maybe this is fake news. So I went to Snopes. Snopes said it's true. I go, well, I'm still not convinced. And then I looked and ABC released an apology saying that was footage from wow. a Kentucky gun range. That's our bad. Which means that on national television, people around the country and around the world saw it and thought that that was footage from Syria. And I'm not saying nothing bad is happening in Syria. Maybe there's footage that's even worse. I just think it's fascinating that ABC 
could make that mistake that somehow footage from Kentucky could get on air as if it were Syria. Jeez. And yeah, it was just I when I when Trump said fake news, I laughed. I mm -hmm. went, what a hilariously weak attempt to undermine the people criticizing you. And now I'm much more on on the bandwagon of fake news. Yeah. Don't I, trust things. Don't trust what you read on the internet. I I don't honestly know what to do with news other than not participate in it, honestly. And and I know that that's considered a, a sin amongst a certain group of people who think that being involved with your country and poli the political process is so important. But, man, the editor has all of the power yeah right like you're not most people are not going to watch every donald trump speech every bernie sanders speech every elizabeth warren speech and let any, alone any let's presume that they're telling the truth 100 percent of most the time pe in all most their people speeches. don't watch the entirety of anything of course not so in order to assess these candidates what you're getting are snippets chosen for you by some other person now i'm not saying that these people are evil but i'm saying that the tremendous amount of power that these editors get to take someone just take bernie sanders who's what 80 some years old and go here's who bernie sanders is in a paragraph <laughs> like yeah, yeah. how could you anyone here's a, quote, here's a quote from a paper he wrote in college <laughs> yeah which by the way was 700 years ago yeah. <laughs> and then to do that with 13 candidates never mind the one who is clamoring to get on the stage yeah, who yeah. is blocked from being i on saw the they stage. actually did that i don't know if it was bernie someone got quoted from a college essay they wrote when they were 19 they're in their 70s now yeah. running for office and it's like do you think this person hasn't changed their mind in 51 years yeah. And then so to, to, to even attempt to walk through that muck, to get to the heart of who Bernie Sanders is in comparison to Elizabeth Warren, in comparison to Donald Trump, who have all lived a long time and done a lot of stuff. Man, I still am learning things about the people that I've known since high school. Mm. I... I had an unrepressed memory recently. I'm learning about myself. <laughs> yeah. So when I, I – all that I can do is is disconnect from the political yeah. process. The other thing which we – I think that it's interesting because I know that there's, there's going to be this whole rock to vote, get out, and they're going to shame people who don't go to vote, and I'm going to catch flack for this. But the value of your vote has been determined. Uh, there's a dollar value that's placed on it. Everything in the world exists in a market. And you can basically determine the dollar value of your vote by adding up the amount that is spent on elections. Mm -hmm. uh, because you could imagine if the president of the world of the United States of America had unmitigated power to do anything, more money would be spent on the election because mm -hmm. each vote would become much more valuable. So the importance of the president is essentially the amount of swing votes that exist out there, uh, or the, what is it per? dollar per person yeah the amount of dollars that are spent divided roughly per person is approximately the value of your vote and if you do this you get anywhere from like 16 to 200 bucks is is roughly the value of your vote of course that's going to change state to state because if you live in california and you're a republican your vote for the president doesn't count mm -hmm. <laughs> so if you live you know and if you live in where's another red state alaska or something i don't know a red alaska state. red state wyoming take wyoming right and you vote you vote democrat your vote doesn't count we just we basically throw that one out so at the end of the day, all the energy goes into this. You're trying to you're walk through this muck to figure out who this person is, which is an impossible task, to finally cast one vote every four years, which has been dollar-valued at 
call it two to three low three figures. I can't muster the ability to participate in that too heavily other than to just watch the spectacle. Uh, I feel like there's just more valuable things to do with my my time than spend $20 worth of attention on this for two years yeah, yeah. <laughs> as they run against each other. So, yeah, I don't know what to do with the news, man, other than just I think the news tells us more about ourselves than it does about the world. Yeah. It really tells you about the demographic of the person watching. Watch commercials on the news. That's that's the most fascinating thing to do. Because there was a football game. The Eagles were on last night. Love the Eagles, by the way, man. We grew up in Philadelphia. They find a way to just blow everything. <laughs> oh, did they, did they botch it? <laughs> they didn't botch it. They got beat up the whole game. Uh, so I haven't watched a football game all season. But I don't watch a ton of TV. But watching the ads is fascinating, man. It's like, you know, it's just it's a football associated with the telephone, associated with Lowe's, associated with like be a man, paint your house, come to Lowe's. It's just fascinating what it tells you about the person who is watching the game and what they desire and what they want to be. And what Can they you give a specific cuz this is vague. It was a Lowe's. It was a Lowe's commercial that I don't know exactly what it sold, but it was for a dad to make a better home and be more of a man by doing handiwork. Mm. And it's like, oh, he wants to, the guy who is watching this wants to be a good dad, mm-hmm. be a better man, and provide for his family. Like, mm-hmm. I know more about <laughs> more about the guys watching this than I would if this was a news channel. Yeah. So it just, uh, I don't know. I think that's the fascinating thing to do is, is watch the commercials, not the news. Any other stuff? Yeah, yeah. I want to segue. Cause, so you mentioned the power of editing. Yes. And we had a common question on our <laughs> podcast that we ignored for a little bit because we weren't sure what to do about it. Someone made a video that was incredibly critical. It was a canceled Charlie video. And it really, to me, showed the power of editing. Mm-hmm. And we shot a podcast on it a little bit ago. And then we didn't share it because the person had said that they were considering making a second one. And we didn't want to incense them. So we kind of let ourselves be, you know, bullied into quiet or whatever, threatened mm-hmm. into quiet. And then recently we came on here and we were critical of the NBA because in the name of protecting their business they censored themselves around china and then we felt like big fat hypocrites because we had (laughs) censored ourselves to protect our business and we didn't share this podcast clip so uh angel if you could we're going to show the podcast that we shot i forget how long ago that talks about this video that will show you the power of editing (laughs) because it is a, a takedown charlie video so angel if you could run that and then we'll get back to it today so there's a fan question that and i've seen it once or twice it was what do you think of the video don't trust charisma on command so i will try to i'll try to answer this holistically because it's because i've had many different feelings regarding it mm. it's a video that was made about us it's it's i think it's fair to call it a hate video let's just call it well i'll uh, try to say <laughs> i haven't watched i'll it, try actually. to be i'll try to be cool uh it is a video that i don't i would please no one go watch it please no one go harass this person with hate but it is a video that i think was purposely crafted crafted to be edited and misrepresentative in order to make you look bad yeah so i haven't seen the goal the goal was not the pursuit of truth it was to make you look bad well we can i think we should substantiate that and we and we we hope well we'll see we'll see if we do i haven't watched it because i don't want 
images in my head because it's upsetting. Uh, the truth is my first reaction when I see a negative comment, and in this case, a video that's 20 to 30 minutes long with more editing than we've ever I gotta done. I got to say, yeah, I mean, listen. Dozens I, of hours. I absolutely, I absolutely hate the video, but my hat is off to her. You spent more time on this than we do on our yeah. videos. It is. Yeah. So the research, the obscure corners of the internet that you've yeah. gone to, truly. It's incredible. So I haven't watched it, but you've described it to me, mm -hmm. and I haven't watched it because, yeah, these things. So my, my first reaction is is I'm not immune to to being upset, and particularly what was so – that somebody worked so hard. Yeah. And I presume this is someone that I've not met, made eye contact with, shared a word. That also someone, didn't, didn't reach out to us, to my knowledge. Well, of course Wasn't not. Tried to, well, I mean, you could try to if you think someone's – Evil. <laughs> so, so it accuses us of a number of things, which we can sort of go through. Uh, but but in terms of my emotional reaction, it kept me up at night. It mm -hmm. it is upsetting, and and honestly, I I'm fast forwarding to the end here. Ultimately, as weird as it is, and I'm still uncomfortable with, grateful for the opportunity to grow, because what it made me keenly un undeniably aware of is how concerned I am with literally what a stranger who has never met me thinks and says about me to other strangers mm -hmm. and we've talked about your character being more important than your reputation and this exposed exposed that i i'm i care you know i, I care about me to have someone i feel like uh i'm in middle school and i'm being trash talked on facebook like and it's just happening around me so it exposed that in me and i'm grateful for the opportunity to to grow from that but no, and it, but it can't. I mean, it is. It's you never want anyone to think something bad about you sure. or to say anything bad about you, especially not to try to learn from you any of it or mm -hmm. or to. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's it's just a, a hurtful thing in general. Yeah, no. So it hurt my feelings is the truth. Uh, and so with regards to the stuff now, then as I can zoom out from it a little bit, which is hard to do when I come in and out of it. It's fascinating. Yeah, it's really we talked about the cognitive so stuff. So we'll share some data points because I really don't want people to go watch it. Uh, <laughs> it makes, I don't, it, it makes I neither, a ton of allegations. I neither want to give it views nor do I want to try to send people and to please don't hate. Please don't hate because honestly, we, we've talked about this. It would be so easy. I mean, if, if people who watch that have heard her perspective and if you're watching this, you've heard my perspective. We're both human beings. We're both people. I have no idea what's going on in her life. I have no idea uh, if I don't what triggered we know this, each other, yeah. what triggered this. So benefit of the doubt always let's go through some of the things that are said so you you'll have to help me because i haven't sure. seen it the first one is that a story that i wrote about my time in brazil is fabricated yes and i will tell you why it is fabricated sure because you put a photo up of a woman that you claim you gave roses to alleged woman okay but, but <laughs> upon google searching that face this person's opinion is that the brazilian woman did not come up but a Turkish model came up. A similar, but uh, not that photo, right? Someone no, no, who sorry. looks she like her. She, she didn't find that photo, but she found a face that looks like that face. Yeah. And so because of that, this story is a lie that you made up to impress yeah. people. Which, and this is, this is the interesting point about cognitive. So the hypothesis is that I have a candid photo of a Turkish Instagram model. Because this photo is not on her That Instagram. is not on the internet. <laughs> yep. How did I come across said photo? I'm, that's a story in and of itself, I would imagine. How did I get this? I don't know. So, yeah, it's fair. It's the Incredible. Model. All of her photos are probably on the internet. Yeah, but I have a special one? one. So anyway, I don't know. Uh, we can decide if it makes sense. I'm not trying. I actually asked this girl if I could post her photo. She is from Brazil. It's from my time in Florianopolis. 
my friend Paul was there. It all happened. Uh, it's also not that cool of a story. To be fair, this nothing story happened. Not, that's interesting. You're, you're not a hero in the story. You're just a guy who, who gave flowers to, to women, yeah. and then no kiss. No in sex, any event, no so maybe maybe Angel. I'm not certain if we can. We'll discuss the ethics. She said it was cool for me to post this photo many years ago. I don't want to like dox her, expose her identity, but I could show you photos with Portuguese lettering next to her. Like she's on the internet. She exists out there. This particular photo is down because she took her Facebook down, but she is on Instagram and on she's she's out there. This is easily proven to anyone who I know, and maybe we'll show you guys. So that's the first one. But the hypothesis is that you found a photo of a Turkish woman, yeah. took her photo, and made up a story about her. That doesn't make me sound cool. But this photo <laughs> cannot be found on her profile. And the story is 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 about not going for it. We didn't kiss. Nothing happened. It was yeah. like, man, I I so that's I kinda, so that's that's the interesting that's, data point number one. That's a made up thing based on the fact. So I don't that, think she started hating me there because no. that would be. I feel like that's an ex. That's a oh, an no, ad. Hoc. Read the story. Yeah, it's kind of a. Yeah. So okay. So the second, I don't know what they all are. We'll go through some of them. Sure. What's there's one? one. So one piece of information. She, oh, the she other photo. Right. Says, she says that our testimonials are made up. Yeah. And that's an interesting claim because. The information that's based on is that she Google image searched one of the photographs and nothing comes up, which I think is interesting for a couple of reasons, because she probably Google image searched the other people. Yeah. I would assume if you wouldn't just pick that one, right? Which means that the person who made this video, Google searched four photos and three of them came up and the name we put, because we asked their permission, matches the name of their social media. So... Okay, that didn't make it into her video because mm -hmm. those people are real and that's their name. And then there's one photo that's not on the internet. And so the hypothesis is this testimonial is fake. In fact, all, I think it says all their testimonials are fake, but I haven't yeah, watched yeah, it yeah. recently. So maybe it just says this one. I think it says all. Because this person can't be found on the internet, which I think is interesting because how did we get the photograph of this 30 something year old woman you would think if it were a fake we had the hypothesis would mean that i did some sort of a photo shoot to get a photo that's not available on the internet yeah, or took like a, a friend with a private profile hired a 30 year old woman to, <laughs> to write pose for this so by the way i would write a better testimonial i would that's write nice. i would I appreciate make it, what she said it's a nice not, testimonial no, i'd make it punchier though i'd, sure. I'd sex it up it i know how to write it's interesting about this because once again you'd think that this would be if we if it was a person we just stole it from you think we would have stolen it from facebook or google image or something yeah uh it's also not it's not a high def photo so it's probably anyway not a photo uh, we'll throw up the uh this one i'm pretty confident we can blot out her email we'll throw up the email that she sent us which we dug up right? i dug it up because i was just like yeah this this is read receipts are coming no no i was just like what <laughs> what's happening i was so yeah. confused about this video. and this again i was so as as you were but telling again, me so this, what, and what's interesting to you the more point, interesting thing is why why the vitriol and i think what i had to come to is we've had 250 million views for one person to be highly motivated anti is par for the course and and what you have to expect and and is going to be part of my life. Mm. And and it made us, we can touch on a couple of the other things. We're spending way too much time, honestly, even talking about this. But it made us think, do we want to do this podcast? Mm -hmm. Because I'll tell you some of the other edits that have been made well, in here. The Instagram one was was pretty interesting. So the Instagram one is, let's just briefly, it's it's a photo of me smiling. I'm like this. It says, don't ask for permission. Yeah. And in, in, in our Norwegian editor, by the way, makes these. He yeah. doesn't speak He's native not from our culture. English. He's not native English. And so he says, don't wait for permission. And the caption says, don't wait for permission to live the life of your dreams. Yeah. And then it says something else about, you know, go do it today. Tag yeah, a friend yeah, yeah, who yeah. needs this advice. But when the photo gets put into her video, the caption is purposely left out. 
and then it's construed as if for some reason Charlie went onto his Instagram and then posted a pro sexual <laughs> assault post, not on his personal Instagram, but on our business Instagram, yeah. because that would be a good business move, which so, is a weird. So like, let, I know that she saw the caption. We're, we're so, taking we're taking too long. Let's quickly. So there's another one. It's a it's a video of me talking to a woman. Now this video that uh, it is on the internet. She got it shows me speaking, approaching a woman, saying, "You're absolutely stunning." And in that moment, she's walking past me and she's not facing me. Now what happens in the next second, which is in the video, is she turns around and laughs, and we talk, and she laughs again, and it goes well. And that's why I put the video on the internet. You know, yeah. it makes me look like a comfortable easy person to talk to and showing that you can have a, a positive interaction in the street it was this is the one that makes me go this person hates me just hates me it's cut and then she says i believe you got it well, no, no, it's cut it's cut at the moment where she's walking and you're talking to her and yeah. then it doesn't show the part where she turns around and it goes well and yeah. everyone's laughing and having fun and the idea is that you're making the person uncomfortable that's sure. what's implied and uh, then similarly at the end of it it's a podcast and again all this is if anybody sees any of the original material and doesn't like me, I would argue that that's absolutely you're right. But nobody had any issue with any of the original stuff. It's only when it's clipped and edited in a certain way that it that it is so upsetting. Yeah. And I would probably not like the person that I saw if that video were made yeah. in, a, in a snap reaction. But no, the final well, one, I'll just quickly touch on it, is it's a story that I'm telling on a podcast uh, about a girl at a club. And it's in a New York club. And I listened to it. And in out of context, it sounds like I'm being rude to her. I'm saying, like, you're so boring, you don't even want to dance, yada, yada, yada. That's the clip. Uh, and then she goes, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong in any of this, says that, because this is what you're telling me and I'm telling you back. Yeah, yeah, this could be, this is paraphrased. <laughs> I want to get the facts as close to straight as I can. Uh, that she obviously hates, like, oh, no, the reason she doesn't want to dance rude. is because yeah, you're, you're rude you're and rude. You're, you're a predator and all these kinds of things. Now, two things. One, the context, it's New York and it's a nightclub in New York. Like, it's ruder. That, that is the truth. And I listened to it having lived in Santa Monica. And I was thinking, I was like, oh, yeah. Every, that was, that was the way. sense of humor. I, I learned this the hard way. Yeah, yeah. You, you can be really sarcastic in New York. You don't want to take that to California sure. or Brazil. Sure. But the other thing is a presumption that this woman was upset. Now, here's the thing. The end of the story, which is there, and I'm, I, I don't know if she clicked off the podcast or heard it, but is that she kisses me. That at the end of the night, we're talking and we come to it, you know, a, we start to like one another and she kisses me. So this presumption, this this victim feeling on her behalf is, I think, by the end of the story, shown not to be the case. And if you don't believe the story, then don't believe the first part of the story. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, if you think that the story is not real, it's either it's either fake or it's not. Uh, but so there's there's a number of other things in there. All of them have slightly funny stories. Some of them I, I could debunk by telling you personal details about the people in there, which I don't want to do. Well, as if, I mean, uh, I, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, leave yeah, that, yeah. leave that. Okay. <laughs> anyway. I see what you're saying. You don't yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it, so what is my thought? So we go through all of this and I look and I, and it was very upsetting at first. And then I read this book on on how people come to decisions. And the only thing that I can, as I go through this, and I actually listened because I was like, am I horrible and I need to check on this? Because that was like, I, I need to see it. And I listened. And what I concluded in, in a lot of these is that this person decided that they hated me and then found evidence, which I think to them makes sense, and ignored everything that might have contradicted that even if it came a second later in the clip sure or if it's or if like if, if it's 
not intuitive. Like why would a Turkish Instagram model have a photo available to you that's not available to the world or whatever sure. it might be? Yeah. It's just once someone has decided something, there's no counter evidence that will persuade them when they are heated. Yeah. I, I hope that she sees this and maybe considers it and maybe we talk or whatever it is. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm um, doubtful, but that's okay. No, but I would love that. I'd lo- honestly, yeah. I'd love to talk to this person. It, it would appear that that this person decided they didn't like you and then decided to make a video. Well, not decided. Other people Something like happened you. that yes, they didn't yes, like yes, me. Yes, yes, yes. Something Sorry. happened. And then... But it's not what's, it's not the content of the video, I weirdly agree. enough. Yeah. That, that, that she hated you before she saw an Instagram post mm-hmm. about not waiting to live the life of your dreams. Yeah. And she hated you before Google image searching one of our testimonials. Yeah. That was not the moment when she decided that she didn't like you. was when that didn't come up. And so... It was it's interesting to me it was stressful because i went wow you can you can clip and i've been guilty of this we've talked about this when rudy giuliani talks about mm-hmm. 9-11 when he's supporting trump and he mentions something there's been no terrorist there's attack. Been no terrorist attacks blah 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 and it's cut in he a says way there's been no terrorist attacks in new york and then that gets shipped out by liberal or Democrats. and i saw it and i fell for it holy cow and, and then what you realize when you watch the full thing because my friend was like hey i think you might want to delete this post after you watch the full video 30 seconds before he says with the exception, With the exception of 9-11. <laughs> yeah. And I got got. And so when this happened to you, I was thinking, oh, wow, we're there's you're totally screwed because you can be convinced of anything. You, you can yeah. chop up different sentences. And we're going to go do this podcast. Yeah, you can take where anything, it's going to have tons of sentences. You can deep fake yeah. me. You know, I mentioned at one point we talked about. Uh, abortion at one point i said yeah. the word evil yeah, yeah, yeah and i'm i don't think abortion is evil but yeah. you can get me to say it if you just yeah. put enough words together and so i was really freaked out you know we talked about <clears> I, <throat> I was kind of in favor of canceling this for a little yeah. bit to just not be available to people to 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 do misconstrue that. and it was it was about yeah it was scary and it could be but honestly i i talked to my friend benji who gave me the best advice on it and he was on survivor australia and he said look man i came back and people hated me i was the bad guy i'd been for my 15 minutes of fame was of people being like i'm gonna kill that guy i hate him how dare he and a couple things one i paid attention to my real life and nobody who hated me with all this vitriol in the world on the internet said a word to me in person it was friendly people who came up and spoke to me so he's like so pay attention to your real life like do your friends think that this is true? Have any of the women alleged in this video had any problem with you? Go to that and and, and rely on that. And then the second thing is what metric are you going to use? Mm-hmm. If you take the metric of hate videos, I mean, if Martin Luther King Jr., and I'm not saying I'm not even no. close, if he were alive today, he'd have so much vitriol about him on YouTube because what he was doing at the time was, was pissing people off. That's not to say... I feel I've got to make this abundantly clear. I'm not a civil rights leader. I'm not doing anything on that scale. But if you're going to make an impact, positive, neutral, whatever, people will react and some of them will hate you. And if you make your metric not getting hate videos, you will do nothing. So keep doing the podcast and try to do good and do the things in your life. Like sit down with your morality and focus on your character instead of your reputation and i would i really genuinely i would love to talk to her because when i look at our youtube channel it's just helping people to be more confident and to have better social skills sure it's it's very 
it's it's not particularly political it's not about well, to any, some people like, i think it is and this is so this so i was trying to theorize why someone would do this i don't think it's someone i know i thought there's one person we've kicked out of our course i was like could be them disgruntled yeah yeah there's she there was a woman we have a community when you join chris university kick someone out of the course sure. she was being <laughs> disruptive disruptive to the community and and the other thing is I was looking because I don't ever do this if you have any modicum of internet fame. I was like, why do people hate Charisma on Command? So I started looking up negative things about us off our channel. And there's there's subsets of Reddit that are convinced that they know my political affiliations and that our channel is a – and by subsets, I mean a couple dozen sure, sure, people. Sure, 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 uh, sure. That our political – that we are a gateway channel to radical – what is it? Alt-right views and because we normalize Jordan Peterson. And that's my other – hypothesis i really do not think it's you, you think it's because you covered jordan peterson and Trump it could and be Shapiro? i'm what i feel confident in is that it's not the material that was in that video because i think that if you came to that with a neutral mind yeah. you wouldn't cut it the way that it was cut yeah, so the, i think i Instagram think the decision is, is i think the emotive this the emotive thing where i was disliked happened first and then and then uh confirmation bias took it from there so that's my suspicion, though. No. If you're watching this, Michelle, reach out. <laughs> There's an email on our Charisma on Command YouTube channel. Uh, our first, first podcast guest. I would love to talk to you, truly, just yeah. to try to understand. You know, I, I feel like we're trying to do good in the world. It was really disheartening to yeah. uh, watch the video, you know. Um, but what I, here's what I want to say to you is uh, I would like that. I would like that. I think it would be a really powerful thing if we came, and came to some sort of eye-to-eye, human-to-human thing. That'd be great. But you and I cannot create this kind of a space for any sort of negative thing that is said about our business in the future. Uh, yeah, yeah, this yeah. has to be a really de- a one-time sort of a thing because it's, again, it's just slowing us down and, and it's, there's, there's more that we could be doing. Oh yeah. I spent a lot of mental energy on this. I, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it, it's not even really about me, but it kept me up at night. Yeah. I was trying to figure out what does it mean? What can we do? You know, mm-hmm. like, do not, and I will repeat, do not, do not, do not, do not go comment anything negative on the video. Do not do that. You're not, you're not helping me. You're like, tr- if you've been listening yeah, to this not, podcast. We're not trying to create a bullying environment. We're no, not trying to, no, this, this has got to be, this it's got to be understanding. Otherwise, what, what we are feeling that we have been victimized in is exactly what we are doing. If you can't be understanding and assume that you don't have the whole story, then then you're missing the, the point yeah. that we're driving at in this podcast. So do not do that. Uh, yeah, and I don't even know if this will air, but we're just talking about it because a it's going to air, bro. <laughs> a couple people have asked it's happening. in the comments. So anything. Yeah. So uh, how about those Oklahoma City rate numbers? <laughs> anything else that you want to touch on before we wrap? No. Anything else you want to say about that? No, it made me sad. What do I feel? It, it, uh, I've, I've, I've repeated myself, but uh, you asked, what do I think? I hopefully we've talked about, we've talked about what happened. I'll just reiterate my emotions. I was sad. Well, one thing is, yeah, you just can't control what other people are going to put on the internet. I was sad, and it exposed an area that I'm not happy to have to grow in, but I'm excited to grow in, which is, and I've, I've run this mental exercise. Just, just pretend everyone hates you. Everyone. Everyone other than the people that you directly interact with and help. Like, imagine that world. Every stranger. Every stranger hates you. And find a way to be happy in that world. Hmm. And of course, I wouldn't prefer that that didn't happen. But I feel like the liberation that could happen in terms of the quality of things that we could do for people if we got to that stage would be incredible. And and I this is, you know, here I go being alt-right. But I think part of the reason <laughs> that Jordan Peterson 
is so famous is because he said what he thought to be true at personal expense. And agree or disagree, I admire that. I admire that he said that he went and took personal risk to, to say what he thought was true and, yeah. and, and risk losing his job and Super all that. Super hard, sort of man. Stuff. When I was making videos for the channel, I read all the comments. You eventually pulled me aside. You're like, yeah, dude, you, can't, you do this. can't do this. And I, I took everyone to heart. You're worse yeah. than Charlie. You're ugly. <laughs> just all the terrible, you know, got a lopsided smile. It's just, and I just buried them all in my brain. Sure. It was, it was uh, it's hard not to. Well, and then now we're dwelling, but we're here. I think that's really what confidence comes down to. Some people seem to just get it. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. The Conor McGregor's who go out there and at least early in his career, they it's just there's no brokering. But if that's not you, guess what? You get to start like me. You get <laughs> you get to try to build it from the ground up. And the ground up means feeling uncomfortable and staying up at night and worrying what people think about you and taking a deep breath a lot of times and Taking a lot of melatonin. You know what it is? No, no, no melatonin. You know what it is? And I've been reading a lot of meditation. It's like, this is real. Like, I see you. You are real. All of those things and the people, who, that's all imaginary. And quite frankly, no one has come up to me with anything but positivity. And while I'm grateful for that, I can't, I can't promise that to myself in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But try to keep it locked in on things that are within your tight sphere of influence and your reputation, especially if you're on YouTube. That's out of my hands. So That's only out of the take box. It personally, when our friends tell me that I'm not as handsome as you. Yes. Got it. Let's end on that note. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's what we shot. However long ago. Yeah. We're officially uncensored. We're we're gonna take whatever comes from it. But an update is since we shot that, you watched the I video. I did. I did. You actually <laughs> said, "I'm gonna see what this is about." Yeah. So, dude, it was more. Broad spanning than you'd led me to believe is what I found. You mean because she makes fun of your guitar playing on Instagram? Everything, man. Yeah. Oh, gosh. the uh, My guitar playing on Instagram, uh, our business was – I want to actually talk about this. I think there's an interesting – there's a, an interesting criticism that I wish had been uh, put forward in a different way, but it's fascinating to discuss. But, yeah, that was one of them. Um, saying that I don't drink and then having people invited out to drinks for dates – being an indication that I am essentially engaging in date rape, I thought was was it was tough, man. I sat there like I when when we first sat down to do this, I was much more. You were more magnanimous, magnanimous. more benefit of the doubt, magnanimous. You hadn't seen it. I hadn't you seen it. a lot of the pot shots. Yeah, you watched it and you saw how aggressively it attacks you. Yeah, and and just like okay, here's two pieces of information. I say, don't drink socially because it's not good for you and it's cheating and you're not going to develop confidence. And then I say, a good place to go on a date is, is to a bar you can get a drink. Yeah, and, that, well, and that culminating to be, I'm like taking advantage of drunk girls instead of like, maybe I don't drink socially but have a drink at a bar on a date. I don't know. Yeah, no, How is that a, not it's a, just another, a It's just another example of... It, it really, it what, did. It, it, it kind of set me off. Yeah, when I, I can tell it. you're fired up. Yeah, I'm going I'm to no, take it's it easy. A, it's another example of... Just if somebody were coming in without a lens, I think the conclusion they would reach if you said, my advice, if you're learning charisma is to go out and not drink alcohol. Mm -hmm. And then separately in a completely unrelated thing, you said, if you're going for a, a date, a good place is a bar where you can go grab a drink and hang out and touch. And it's less awkward than dinner. I think if you didn't have a lens, you'd go, okay, this person's advice is when you're learning charisma to not drink. But if you're going on a date, you can have a drink. But when you come in with the lens of Charlie Hooper is evil, somehow that gets interpreted to be 
he's going out and not drinking and pumping people full of drinks, mm -hmm. which isn't in the content. And so, yeah, I think that it's just the, the whole video was an interesting example because it's shot like Cowspiracy. I have the same complaint with Cowspiracy, which is it's shot like it's an investigative mm -hmm. thing. She says, hey, what's this channel about? I'm going to check it out. Hey, what's this course about? I'm going to check it out. But we checked the order number from when she ordered and she ordered it in December of 2018. So this seemingly happening randomly, I'm going on this learning adventure with you video was actually months in the making. And so, yeah, mm -hmm. you, you get this narrative. Weirdly here's, enough, it's... Here's the only thing that I would wrap it on because I am frustrated, but like... I'm trying because I'm making a video on Trevor Noah this week, which is is fitting, and it's the only thing that kept me sane. Uh, and it's about how to handle arguments. Yeah. And one of the things that I do believe in my core is you is you cannot uh, jump to conclusions without consulting the person. So yeah. even though I watch this video and it seems clear to me, I'm I don't I'm really trying hard not to go like this was a malicious thing because I think that that doesn't happen i think that what exists is that there's people and if they if if someone does do wrong i do believe it comes from ignorance and i don't believe it comes from malice 99 percent of the time yeah, serial yeah. killers excluded uh you want to have her as the first guest i would i would reiterate my we'll invitation fly her out we'll fly her out She'll <laughs> no, take my seat on the out. podcast <laughs> no i wouldn't fly you out uh if you want to call in the person who made this video uh i will not berate you i promise I will not try to gotcha question you. I will I will do my my God's honest best to try to understand. Uh, so if you want to go write your your name in the description, which is where we have we have a submission, an anonymous uh, submission. So yeah, other fans won't see it. Is but, there anything uh, you want to talk about? Well, so so let's. Uh, I, I think I talked about it a lot last week. Honestly, I, it just since watching it just makes me more frustrated than than anything. But uh, in terms of specific things, I do think that there's interesting criticisms baked in there that I want that, that I've seen people without any sort of agenda raise. And so one of them was essentially, why are you an expert? Mm -hmm. So this course doesn't have citations from peer reviewed papers. Uh, your your course doesn't do this. You don't have a PhD behind your name. Mm -hmm. Where did you study this? Uh, prove to me your authority with credentials mm -hmm. is essentially it and i think that that is a common uh that's a that's a fairly common thought yeah, yeah. and which is ironic because the one mm -hmm. actual study from harvard that we <laughs> we do cite ended up being debunked and it started to lead us down the road of a lot of social studies can't be trusted yeah so that was the power post thing we, we previously discussed it on the podcast yep. but one of the biggest ted talks ever and it was based on a study said that sitting in a certain position with your arms out like superman boost your testosterone 23 percent when done for two minutes mm -hmm. and upon uh, replicating studies attempting to be done they found that testosterone wasn't going up yeah and Couldn't this, be replicated. the same thing was occurring all over social sciences mm -hmm. i mean we we gave a speech at yale and I remember at one point you said something about there was this arousal theory, which if, if somebody asks you a question on a bridge, yeah, do you yeah. remember this? Mm -hmm. Somebody asks you a question on a bridge, you're more likely to tie the arousal that you feel from the fear of dying to say that that person was more attractive. Because your heartbeat's elevated, your adrenaline's pumping, and mm -hmm. since your brain is looking at a person while this is happening it goes oh it must be because of this person sounds, I must be nervous. Sounds super cool. Sounds crunchy. You like it. You're Peer going, reviewed, oh, wow. published. 
afterwards, the professor said, hey, I thought you guys did a great job, but just so you know. That study was disproven. <laughs> that study, not only disproven, like it wasn't necessarily disproven. She was saying that this field in its entirety is undergoing this kind of revolution right now yeah. where there is no incentive to actually, like once a paper's been peer reviewed, mm -hmm. to replicate these studies isn't happening. Furthermore, as we discussed earlier in the podcast, uh, a lot of these studies have titles that don't match what actually occurred and are done with sample sizes of Michigan residents who dis who said that they wanted yeah, yeah. to receive studies, which is not representative we'll make of this people. One, we'll make this one short, but my favorite one is when they show photographs of men to college women and they ask who's most attractive mm -hmm. and they point to pictures of men that are not smiling. And then the study says women don't find men who smile as attractive as men who don't smile, mm -hmm. which went, wait, we just went from this one college campus of 19 year olds to all women. And also we went from thinks photographs are attractive to in real life smiling is unattractive, mm -hmm. which is a hilarious takeaway because it couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. And so that's why we don't use studies. But my well, question that's to you, not Charlie, actually That's not actually why. I, I would say that's just to say that we invest. Uh, the appeal to authority is, is a classic logical fallacy. Uh, you know, nine out of ten dentists believe is is, a, you know, maybe a good heuristic for making a decision, but it's not logical proof mm. for what's better. Uh, to me, proof is from what works in the world. The measure so, of truth is effectiveness. This is my question. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a PhD in charisma, <laughs> why should I buy Charisma University, Charlie? Uh, well, first off, I would say for anybody that that wants a course that is. Uh, steeped in academic citations, has any academic citations, this really isn't for you. Now, the good news is it comes with a money-back guarantee. So if you buy it and that's what you want, get your money back. That's not what I was interested in when I wanted to learn charisma. I came at it from a perspective of, first off, I didn't, will this work for me? Mm -hmm. And so I ran little mini experiments in my own life. And I would come up, it was, it was very much the scientific method. You had this friend, Austin, who was ridiculously charismatic. And I would copy things that he did. And everything that I copied didn't make an impact on my life. But when at one point I told a joke in a way that was making eye contact bigger and louder and everyone laughed, I went, hmm, mental note to self, <laughs> be louder and more boisterous when you're making jokes, it might go better. Yeah. And then I, friends saw that I changed and they asked me and I told them the few things that I had gleaned that worked and they took those and some of those didn't work for everybody, but a lot of them did. And mm -hmm. I went, oh, interesting. This works for me and my friends. And then we taught classes yep. and I taught them things and I saw the things that worked for them. And then we had, I don't know, two to 4,000 people take Charisma University. Mm -hmm. And I see what works for these people. I've reshot the course four times. So I, I actually wouldn't be interested in convincing anyone that I'm an expert. I think it's uninteresting. I think who I am is, doesn't matter. Does the course work with a high level of consistency is a much better question. Yeah, yeah. Does it get people the results that they are hoping for uh i believe it does and i judge that by our generous refund policy <laughs> you know what i mean like anyone can refund the vast majority of people do not yeah. i don't know the actual stats but we also survey people we're uh, we're averaging yeah, yeah. nine out of ten right now i feel like and, and i don't mean to be defensive uh with regard to this i think there's a there's a more interesting question here because i made a video about imposter syndrome and i really would advise most people to step back from credentials in 
both aspects. One, in thinking that if you don't have credentials that you can't be helpful. And two, in thinking that if you do have credentials, that somehow makes you an expert mm -hmm. in something. I think the measure of truth is effectiveness. Sure. Uh, and so the question that I posed in that video and the question that I would pose to everybody who's trying to decide, should I help with this? Can I coach in this? Is what's your track record of, of success mm -hmm. and being helpful? Um, and that's kind of what I would say. So I think I thought that that was an, an interesting critique. Critique. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that I think that that. I don't. I don't care to die on the hill of being a charisma expert. It's it, it's less about me than it is about does this program make your life better work? Yeah, yeah. So that were my thoughts on that. I, I think there were some. Were there some other? We kind of mentioned this. It just uh, we we talked about this previously. The power of editing to control a narrative. It really did. It made me think. You know, because I was doing Trevor Noah as well. And there's one moment where this interviewer asked me. Said you said da da da, and he she tells a joke, and he says, well. That's not how I told the joke. I did it yeah, yeah. on stage and I had an accident. I did it like this. And she said, but but these are your words. And couldn't someone take this out of context and then say Trevor Noah thinks that da-da-da-da-da-da? And it's an interesting question that I think is posed by a lot of people. And essentially it is, where does responsibility for communication lie? Especially in an era where it's not just gossip, like, oh, he said this, but you, where, where editing can occur, right? And you can grab a Trevor Noah or Charlie Hooper or whoever you want clip and, and excise portions yeah, yeah. of it. And We talked about this yeah. in the clip they just watched because I got got with a Rudy Giuliani clip. Uh, clip. So I think there is an interesting question because I don't think it's all on either side. Where does the burden of communication, where does that lie? Is it with the speaker? Is it with the listener? Is it with this intermediary editor who is often your news source or, or Phil DeFranco or whatever new YouTube channel you like to watch? And all that it made me think is you need to, f to have a relationship with the editor who presents you with whatever sphere that you're, that you're looking at. And I do think uh, if you're looking to make a character judgment off of anyone that I make a breakdown of, you better trust me. Mm -hmm. Because I control that narrative, right? Now, mm -hmm. I would suggest who cares about these people's character? It doesn't matter. I'm trying to highlight charisma things that you can work and apply in your own life and see if they work for you. And if they don't work, throw them out as false. I don't, I don't care. Uh, but you need to trust your editors mm -hmm. and to understand who your editors are. If you think that you're getting objective news from whatever news source, you are not. You are getting the edited news. And so you better make darn sure that you know who that person is. That was mm -hmm. just another another realization of mine that sort of yeah, yeah. came up in that the idea that there's anything objective is just goofy we'll yeah. talk about that later <laughs> all right so i got an f transition but we just <laughs> wanted to we just wanted to get that on air and live and stop censoring ourselves out of fear and uh yeah hopefully it leads to a good dialogue instead of more hate videos but complete f transition did you see the bernie sanders rally i saw that it, i saw a picture of a big rally so he and I tried to do some digging because obviously I'm just skeptical of everything. It seemed like it was a real big rally. Yeah, who They're knows? claiming it was the biggest <laughs> the biggest rally in the Democratic primary so far, potentially cool. bigger than any Trump had. I can't quote. Don't. That's not necessarily 100 percent. Do you trust your editor? Ben? Hard, to, hard to know for sure. But a huge rally. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is backing his campaign. OK, so you follow this political world a lot closer than I do. And you've done a breakdown of Bernie Sanders. Sorry, you well, thought about doing to. a breakdown of Bernie Sanders. Uh, what did you think of the rally? Do you like his odds? 
I didn't watch the rally. I watched portions of the Democratic debate, and I don't think any of those people can beat Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. We talked about this before. I find it. Uh, Joe Biden is looks very old. He looks confused, like and and not savvy. Uh, and I'm by the way, I'm not ranking anyone's platform. Like this isn't based on their political. No, views. This no, is based no. Based on how they come off on stage, because I think that's. I, what Trump highlighted, mm-hmm. and I think before him, Barack Obama highlighted, yeah. and what Bill Clinton highlighted, yep. a lot of presidential campaigns come down to how well you can present yourself to your base. Sure. Now, what one thing I have been impressed with in Bernie is that despite his age and despite the fact that I've seen him struggle to hear, like at least in the recent weeks, what I've seen of him is vibrant. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really critically important for him mm-hmm. after this heart issue yeah is to be like i'm gonna be here for four years yeah. <laughs> you're not electing my vice president so we've talked about this a little bit bernie sanders in his campaign has unlocked the number one marketing tip that every copywriter yeah tells you to do the number one thing in marketing that they always say to do is tell the person that whatever problems are happening in their life are not their fault this is donald trump too and this so is, this is yeah if you're the best campaigners do this and this is what all business people do if you're mm-hmm. poor it's not your fault buy my course on how to make money if you're heavy it's not your fault buy my course on how to be fit right bernie his whole campaign runs on that right like you're swimming in student debt it's not your fault it's not that you didn't do the math when you thought about your debt and your income afterwards it's a crooked system mm-hmm. right your job you don't like or it doesn't pay you enough not your fault bad system medical bills too high bad system and, and he's so popular, despite the fact that you tried to do a breakdown of him, and ultimately there's not a ton of charisma there. Because the well, one thing he does really, really, really well is he says, it's not your fault. All the problems you have are because of other people. And if you vote for me, together, we're going to fix your life without you having to do much. Well, just so you know, I could do a breakdown on him now that he's tweaked his message. So if you look to four to eight years ago, his message was more complicated than that. Mm. It was, yes, taxes will go up, you know, but overall, you know, this is what everybody who talks about universal health care is struggling to to message. Your in, life was going to be five, better. Your yeah. taxes will go up, but your life yes. is going to be better. And he has, I think, in part, learned the lesson of sound bites, uh-huh. which is you need to have 10 words together that just are going to rally your base. And so he is doing better. And and as his campaign goes, I would I'm open to a a breakdown of him. But yeah, the when I watched him, he's not the most dynamic of speakers. It, if I did it, it would be Bernie's improved positioning. Honestly, yeah, he's very good at getting people to feel emotions. I would mm-hmm. say more so than anything. I have to look him doing deeper because I really I watched the Joe Rogan podcast. I watched some of his things and I was I was also listening for content because I am interested in the political ideas. Mm-hmm. It's just I have to look at things through a different lens when I'm going what can I break down here. Yeah. Uh so he might get it one day. I'm also not convinced. I think you probably saw it on Reddit. Saw what? The the image of Bernie Sanders or whatever. No, I was Googling for this podcast because oh, you told me you weren't coming up with much. <laughs> you said, hey, it's just a week, week for me on the podcast, so I hope you have topics. And I yeah. went, sure do. <laughs> What's going on in the world? So it's still tough. I, I, I should look into it further. It'd be an interesting charisma to do a debate and then to make a prediction similar to Trump with who would be the Democratic candidate. I have not looked close mm-hmm. enough to have a strong opinion at this point. Uh, but what I, I didn't see stand out 
oratory debate Barack Obama level mm-hmm. skills up there. And so if Trump loses, I think it's going to be in huge part when I would I would bet against it, quite frankly. But if he does, I think it will be in huge part because of all of these proceedings against him. Like mm. the best thing going against him is not a candidate. It's we're trying to impeach him and we're doing this and we got this on him and this and this and this and this that it's going to be the weight of that certainly not mm. nobody's going to come in there and, and just take it from him rocket with a soundbite no not happening there's not going to be like what was it hillary said something something if you were president and he said if you if i were president you'd be in jail yeah yeah ronald, ronald reagan came in and took it from jimmy carter i think right like i'm, I'm pretty sure carter was 80 uh i'll have to double check my but he he upset an incumbent president yeah. because he was an actor. Yeah. <laughs> he was excellent. Well, Clinton's got that one clip that we do, we broke down, right? Where yeah. this woman asks a question and Bush talks George to Bush. the audience. Great one. And then Clinton comes in and he says, yep. And he asks her a question with the thumb point. And George Bush goes, oh. <laughs> you need to be phenomenal to beat an incumbent president, particularly with a strong economy. So I'm not a political pundit. I don't want to go too far down this path. I, I will one day as we get closer to these elections, do a charisma prediction breakdown all that kind of stuff i think it could be fun yeah i thought it was interesting yeah aoc came in there yeah she's got it man and again no comment on her platform her platform she's got it she's she's someone who's going to shake things up uh She's got the oratory skills. She's, she can be inflammatory when she needs to be. She can get people rallied when she needs to be. There's something charismatically special about her. Uh, she's just too young. Yeah. <laughs> she just is not. This is not her, her year to be, 10 to 30 to be years. president, right? Yeah. But she's got – she's going to do stuff for sure. I see that in her. Let me see if there's anything else that I wrote. This is, That's all I got. So the last thing that I, that I would say is I don't know what to do about this. I walked to the dentist today. For my biannual yell at Charlie for not flossing (laughs) (laughs) experience. And there are so many people who are on drugs or schizophrenic with mental health issues. And for whatever reason today, it just hit me. I was was just the contrast was, you know, here's a guy in a suit and three feet over on the bench is someone moaning. And then at the end of the thing, it's some guy who is trailing. You've seen these. You take your dog for a walk. People just trail behind you go. They mumble, 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 scream, mumble, 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 scream. Mm -hmm. And everybody just tries to avoid him. And then there's the person who's just flat out passed out on the sidewalk. Maybe they're just asleep. And. I was just shocked by what different worlds we inhabit, man. I went in there and I had a team of dentists x-ray my teeth Mm. to look for tiny pockets of erosion so that they could tell me that I need to use floss picks to get those things out lest I get a cavity, which they would then, of course, fill. Yeah, meanwhile, everyone's ignoring these. Yeah, I saw someone say that they think one of the – so in in the same way we think that one of the things people look back on is is factory farming of Mm -hmm. slaughterhouses, right? I saw someone who said, I think the tragedy of our time is that we just completely ignore the people that are struggling on the streets. I think that is a fair. <laughs> just, you know, just step or, step over them on your way to the bank. To I'm not kidding. Money. We've, we've stepped over people on the way out of our apartment. Now, some of them are with their hand down their pants playing with themselves on occasion, but like literally legs as you open the door of somebody who's just not present you know and and whether it's for mental health issues drugs some combination of the two i couldn't tell you because i know that the the feeling that i have is a fear it's it's of a fear to get involved unless you follow me unless you you yell at me unless you Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and and it's 
while I recognize logically that there's obviously humanity to this person, I'm scared to engage and connect mm-hmm. is what I is what I feel. And I think that's what holds me back personally. I suspect that's what holds a lot of people back. I know you also had an experience where you gave someone something and then they Yeah, yeah. I so I and... used to um give money to homeless people every time I saw them mm-hmm. because you know, your, your heart goes out to them. And then I had an experience in college where somebody said, Hey man, I'm yeah, like I missed the bus to New Jersey. I was in Philly, like it's late. Can I just get a couple bucks? I was like, yeah, what do you need? He's like, I just need $3 for a bus ticket. Yeah. I said, yeah, no problem. Gave him three bucks. Just turned, and walked grifted. right into a liquor store yeah. and uh, and bought some alcohol. And they didn't even wait for me to leave. I went, oh, okay. And then my friend had a woman come up in the snow and she said, hey, I'm really cold. Can I have some money? You know, it's, it's really cold in here. Can I have some money? And he said, oh yeah, I'm so sorry. He took off his hat and his gloves and said, can I give these to you? And she went, no, that's not what I need. So, to me, it's just a very complicated issue, right? And not everyone is being dishonest, but no, that's no. not what I'm saying by any means. But it's very complicated. Mental health issues in general are very complicated. I have a family, extended family member who is homeless, and she has mental health issues. And the family has tried to, hey, do you want a home? Mm-hmm. Do you want to crash with me? Can we put you in a center? And she has no interest at all. She chooses to. I would only want to say wants to because, again, I think she has mental health issues. But she chooses to dumpster dive and walk random places and be homeless and and doesn't want people's help yeah and that doesn't mean she doesn't need it or wouldn't benefit from it but it's just such a complicated issue and i think that what we've done in america right now is gone it sure is complicated (laughs) and they've just done nothing yeah yeah you know what i mean and i don't have a solution but yeah it's it's a it's a really sad complicated thing that no one has figured out i would love it and this will never happen because obviously the issues that hit us are the ones that are most emotionally arresting or the ones that are shoved out in our throat by the editors of the newsroom. But if we could just as a nation make the list of the number one cause of suffering amongst people and, and uh, you know agree on the people who would make this list and, and think, okay, we agree that we're going to start tackling these from top to bottom. Yeah, yeah. All right. And whatever. And, and we're not going to do number 15 because it's your pet cause. We'll do a little bit of everything, but we're going to put an inordinate amount of of uh effort towards these top problems whatever they may be and of course a lot of them come back diabetes heart stuff and then you get well diet is huge but i don't know where homelessness fits on that list but yeah it's just it's right there man it's right there and it it's like invisible that's the thing if there's a criticism when they figure this problem out it's going to be that we walked past people like they didn't exist Mm -hmm. because that's truly the attitude that is happening and and i've heard stories of people who come from small towns into cities and are just looking around like what is wrong with with you people yeah. there is someone on the corner here who is dying yeah. and uh, yeah they didn't get it yet because it takes six months before they they turn them to it too so no solution just a, a moment of of wow yeah when i was 23 i did psychedelic mushrooms for the first time Mm. and it gave me a really deep appreciation for homeless people for the first time because i went to college in philadelphia there were homeless people there but you just kind of see it and you go i don't get it i don't understand and it's overwhelming and i'm young and and like i said i had those experiences in college and and then i went and did mushrooms and talked to a stick for an hour (laughs) and i thought that stick was my best friend and i talked out loud to it (laughs) and people came up to me they went are you okay and i went yeah i'm great and that's to some extent gave me just a appreciation for what it is to be schizophrenic 
and to have your reality so divorced because there is it is impossible for you to tell me that stick is not real when i'm on mushrooms it is clearly a sentient being mm -hmm. that i'm speaking to that's speaking back and if that was your non-drug induced world then yeah without extreme help how could you possibly function yeah you know how could you end up anywhere else and it's not i don't know what causes the mental health issues but it's certainly not that bad people become homeless it's just that circumstances create homeless people you mm -hmm. know what i mean and it just gave i have no solutions but when i did it i was like oh man all those people that you see on the street that talk to themselves i get it yeah they are in a different world they aren't talking to air they are experiencing a reality that is as genuine as mine mm -hmm. that is completely different from mine and yeah it just, it just gives you uh empathy yeah that that's their existence for sure Way to bring the podcast up, bud. Sorry, guys. <laughs> What's in the news? What do we got? <clears throat> I don't have much this week for news, but um, just a quick thing. I don't know if you guys had anything to say about this, but there was a record-breaking flight from New York to Sydney, uh, and the flight was 20 hours. That's almost a full day, and I just wanted to see if you guys could – do you think you could handle that? Could you sit on a plane <laughs> for 20 hours? I won't go home for Thanksgiving. No way. <laughs> <laughs> to go to Sydney? No, I hate flying. There's nothing. There's few things that I try to avoid more than flying. Uh, much to my mother's chagrin, she just yelled at me yesterday because I don't want to come home for Thanksgiving. You think you will? I might. I might. But I, as I explained to her, I was like, look, I'm trying to be vegetarian. It's like the worst day <laughs> to, yeah, yeah. to be there. Uh, oh, can I come a different time? Or you guys come out here for Christmas? I would, yeah, I'd prefer everybody would just come to California. It's 80 degrees outside right now. You it's know, hot. they want me to go. It's hot right they now. want me to go back. But no, I couldn't. I could never do that. Yeah, I don't have a strong reaction <laughs> to that. What's, what else you got? Uh, the other thing I have is that some middle school students in uh, the capital city of Chile, they started a social media campaign to protest public transportation fee increases. And what started pretty small has gotten bigger and bigger. It's gotten incredibly violent and destructive, resulting in injuries, at least three deaths, and hundreds of millions of dollars in damage. For example, they've just been lighting trains and buses on fire. Um, middle schoolers? It started people, with middle schoolers, people. social media campaigning. That campaign got everybody involved in the protest. So it's not just middle schoolers anymore, but they're the ones who proposed it. Uh, the president, their, uh, Ch Chile's president, declared a state of emergency in the capital city. There are troops on the street. They have a curfew now. Uh, and things have just gotten really in insane. And this is, I don't know. I just want to get your take on it because it's its pretty crazy that some kids could start something on social media and it becomes all this. I Again, news, who knows. I saw a skyscraper on fire. In on Chile. One of these things. Yeah, like a, like a telecom or a transportation, I don't know, a, a, a symbol of the corporate elite, a, a skyscraper burning like in its totality crazy uh what is my take these are very charismatic middle schoolers yeah these guys they have, have motivated <laughs> a nation I, I sincerely doubt that that was that it sounds like this is about to to tip you know but it's unfortunate because clearly burning the trains will not make them any cheaper <laughs> yeah uh it's a great point. I, yeah. <laughs> and, and and I'm not saying that one shouldn't take action. And I sincerely doubt 
that the majority of people wanted to burn down buildings and burn down trains. If you ask the majority, what they would have liked was collective action probably to get cheaper fares. Mm -hmm. But yeah, man, when mobs tip off, there's this, and and I think I think without knowing anything about Chile, that there's this inner rage. I mean, if you've ever been in an area where they give you, I forget, like you go, we were in uh, Vietnam and they let you shoot guns or mm-hmm. that you can go to car parks with a baseball bat and smash shit. Yeah. There's this inner drive to destroy. And I think, unfortunately, these social issues can become the focus mm-hmm. of this destructive thing. Like what these people were trying to do was create change. They weren't trying to, if this middle school said, uh, forget cheaper fares, burn down the subway system. <laughs> It'd be like, no, we're not. That's not going to help anybody. Yeah. But this this deep anger just gets channeled into these things. And you get a bunch of people and you get the anonymity of a mob. And all of a sudden, a handful of the most angry people get cover to destroy, yeah. which is really unfortunate because it doesn't help anyone. It always amazed me where we're from in Philly. When your sports team wins, <laughs> the way that some people celebrate is to burn your own city down yeah. and punch fellow fans. Yep. It's not the other team. It accompl- Flip like, cars parked in your city yeah, these with are your, Pennsylvania license These are your points. neighbor's <laughs> property, and it's to break into stores and loot them, destroy the property of your community, burn down your own city, and punch each other in the face. Or is how throw rocks at the person who climbed the traffic light. Yeah, yeah. Hit them in the head so that they fall 20 feet, luckily into a crowd, yeah. which breaks their fall from the concrete. And that is that is how my hometown celebrates a sports team winning. Yeah. Which just, until you said that we have an inner rage in us, I never really understood it. But I guess that's what it is. People just get drunk and they let their demons out. Yeah. And they have this desire to hurt and destroy. And... Yeah, it makes no sense. Hey, we won. This is an Eagles fan's car. Let's <laughs> smash it to pieces. This is the importance of sports, at least according to the Romans, right? Like Pani Cirque. If you don't have gladiators kill each other and, and a group of people get together and scream, scream at it, yeah. about it, what you get is that rage burning down skyscrapers. Burning down skyscrapers. Now, maybe that rage is appropriately channeled towards uh, storming, protesting, marching, taking control. And, and at previous times, there might be some bloodshed. But very rarely is that rage at all controlled towards a cohesive set of changes. Or something that's helpful, to your point. Like burning yeah. down the trains doesn't make trains cheaper. Mm-hmm. It wasn't storming the office, breaking down the fence around the CEO's house, mm-hmm. but then standing nonviolently with signs, right? You mm-hmm. take the rage to like break through his defenses, get to the CEO's house, and then be there with signs showing how much you care. Well, let me if ask... If they did that, they just burn the house down. Well, I do want to... I guess let's ask a question. There's the argument of revolution. Mm-hmm. And I don't know my history that well, but the argument would be that this is essentially what a revolution is. Mm-hmm. A revolution is destructive. A revolution rips things down in order to build something new. Uh, now... I don't. I really should study revolutions because the the question that I have is, do they work? Are the ones that start with rioting and uh, fairly indiscriminate destruction, mm. do those net in positive social change or not? I'm genuinely curious. I I don't know the answer to that. So it would be worth 
uh, if there's a historian in there and give me some context. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Because I know that, that the French Revolution, for instance, is very different from the American Revolution. We were kicking out foreign invaders, you know, or, you know, foreign invaders. We were, we were removing a, yeah, a, sure. uh, a different I was actually thinking that the American power. Revolution, they didn't really burn down their own no, houses. No, no. We, we, it was, it was an They weren't like the Eagles fans. Get out of our land. Yeah. The French Revolution was storm the Bastille to cut off their heads kill them all and uh i'd be interested i don't know much about french history after but i know that they did have what they called a reign of terror <laughs> shortly after where a lot of people a lot of heads rolled mm. uh deserving and otherwise i imagine so i'm just curious yeah what is this ever a good sign when you see buildings on fire and trains on fire mm. or is this just an unfortunate uh outpouring of this this rage which is not gonna ultimately help i don't know i'd be curious what else we got? We've got some great questions this week. Yeah. Uh, the first one I wanted to ans- uh, bring up was one that was for me primarily. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, no, it's because somebody a few weeks ago had uh, we, we had, had them call into the podcast and yeah. you guys had a discussion. Um, unfortunately, we had a technical issue where the phone call did not record properly. Uh, so I did not have the audio to put into the podcast. So we had to cut it. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so I apologize. That person commented asking what happened. I just wanted to let them know that unfortunately that is lost. But if you resubmit another question or have something else you'd like to say, um, we potentially could have you call in again maybe. So sorry about that. Yeah, did not did not cut it on purpose. That was not all right. No, yeah, it was just a tech issue. Um, but we reserve the right to cut boring questions mm-hmm. in the future. Of course, we try to make it interesting. We try to, we try to, we don't always do a good job. We shoot more of this than we keep. <laughs> We've been talking for 10 hours straight at this point. It's 3 in the morning. Yeah, I got here yesterday. There's been three costume changes. <laughs> I've been showered in days. I'm so hungry. It's a nonstop podcast. What else we got? Uh, okay, so an anonymous uh, YouTube user uh, said their YouTube username is literally, I don't want to use my real name. Got it. Uh, when I hear you guys talk about relationships, it sounds like attraction is positioned as the primary motivation. Uh, is this your opinion in most cases at least? For me, attraction is pass-fail. My degree of attraction in a relationship has been inversely related to my level of happiness in the past. Do you have any thoughts on why this might be? I wouldn't say there's an inverse relation, but I do agree that to some extent it is just a are you attracted to the person. Yeah. Your your happiest relationship is not going to be with the person that you've kissed in your life that you've been most attracted to. Yeah, I agree. Except uh-huh. for sometimes on accident. Yeah, I would say it's it's not a negative indicator. It's not a positive indicator. If it is a negative indicator, other than pure chance, I would suggest that a reason is, because I do see this, is that sometimes when people are with someone that they consider out of their league or beyond them, they lower their standards in other areas. Mm -hmm. Because you're blowing away my standard of attractiveness, Mm -hmm. you do not have to be kind, thoughtful, all of these other things. Or you're so physically attracted to that person that you start acting worse. Yes. Like, I don't think that beautiful people are inherently worse i don't think that your looks really have any impact on your personality i think there's just bell curves all over the place for people so if there if it did appear that way that attraction discrepancy led to bad behavior i would almost say what are what is the other person doing to encourage that because i do see in relationships a lot you get the behavior that you are asking for to Mm -hmm. some extent so if you think you don't deserve the person you'll message it a thousand ways yeah and then you'll create i had a friend who did this my friend could date anyone and in six months, that woman would be walking all over them. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I was like, oh, man, this guy has terrible taste. Or, oh, man, the gr- his girlfriend's a monster. And then he started to date 
uh, acquaintance of mine who I knew was a sweetheart mm -hmm. and she became a monster. Yeah. And went, wow, this is the fourth time this has happened. And it's because of something that you do yeah. in the relationship to create someone that treats you poorly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if it was happening that a big attraction discrepancy led to bad behavior, it's just as likely the person who's being treated poorly's fault as yeah. it is the person who's treating them poorly. And I do, there's just one, one thing to comment on because I, I don't, I hope, because it sounds like this person thinks that we think that attraction is the most, and I don't. Well, can I caveat? I think we use attraction to mean more than physical oh, attraction. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. So we don't mean, when we say attraction, we mean that person's personality attracts you, like yeah. a magnet. Their looks attract you. Your chemistry attracts yes. each other. Yes, So when we use the word attraction, we don't mean beauty. Mm -hmm. I think that's specifically why we sure. say attraction. And so I think part of this question might be just a semantic issue. A linguistic yeah. confusion. You know, if I say I'm really attracted to this person, I've never been so attracted to someone. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that if you put photos of all of the women I've ever been with, mm -hmm. that this would be the one that most people would find physically attractive. A lot or of photos even there, I do. All right. Take it easy, sorry, man. Sorry, sorry. As I did it, I was like, shit, I should I was like, all the photos. I knew I outed myself right away. I was like, oh, man, I did too much. Um, if you lined up both of the women that I've ever kissed in my life, uh, yeah, even who I'm most attracted to is going to involve her personality. It's 100%. going to involve how we kiss, you know, the way that our, we, yeah, whatever. I'm, we got you. You're, you're, you're repeating yourself, but I think point made. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> My mom watches. Your mom knows. All right. <laughs> next question. Nicole asks, how should I deal after I found out my mother has been cheating on my dad in a 25-year oh, marriage? I saw this one. This is sad. I saw her text messages with the other guy yesterday after she asked me to text something for her because she was busy in the moment. I shouldn't have snooped, so if I told her, there'd be, black, there'd be backlash coming for that. Should I tell her either way that I know, or do I keep quiet and stay out of my parents' business? So, Does they, Do they say how old this per the, the person speaking is? Uh, no, it doesn't say. Just 25-year marriage is the only... God, it would suck if you're like 15, because yeah. the thing is, you are stuck with your parents yep. at 15. Yep. I'm going to give you a completely out-of-my-depth, idealized answer. And if you don't take this, God bless, because I don't have any expertise in this area. Yeah. But one thing that I notice is that Reddit has all these questions. You know, I, I, I messed up. I did this. And the, the question always comes down to, should I be honest or should I bury it? Mm. And I think what people underestimate is the downside of burying it. Because the answer is often just don't tell them. If you don't tell them, this can go away. And it, you can't unknow what you know. So... It's going to affect – now, whether you tell your father is a, is a whole other question. But you and your mother have now unspoken issue. Mm. And I think the only – and I presume that what you want is to – and I would – well, I'll go beyond this. What, what you want is to maintain a relationship with your mother and father. I would say that what's out of your control, and I hate to say this, that you would be best to let go of is the relationship between your father and your mother. It's not – your business to allow that to continue uh and by protecting some sort of family secret so what i would say if you are open to this is to search your feelings and find what's true i suspect that it's i love my mom i love my dad i hate that my mom is doing this to my dad and i would start with your mother and I would share that with her and say, I love you so much, and this breaks my heart, but I saw these text messages. And if there's any pushback on snooping, I'm, I'm going to need you to be quiet right now. Yeah, yeah. This is such 
a ridiculous counter accusation. I'm gonna need you to just shut up on that one for so a second. I, so I was, I do want to, <laughs> like, I do want to cut in here though, because I know that the way you grew up is not what I'm about to describe. Yeah, but there are mm-hmm. abusive parents. Okay, fair enough. And fair enough. You, and again, if you're mm-hmm. 22, you just graduated college, you have a job, you live on your own. Yes, I think be honest. I think go tell your mom, and, and potentially, honestly, you have the right to go tell your dad, even if your mom begs mm-hmm. you not to. If that's what you think you should do at mm-hmm. age 22, if you're 15, and either of your parents has a history of physical abuse, yeah, yeah maybe keep it quiet. I would say don't feel like you're out of integrity if you don't share. Don't let some sort of silent judgment that Charlie and I would look down on it and honesty over everything. Like I I do know people, I'm very close to people who had very abusive upbringings. And so I think the details here matter a lot. Of course. And so I would say if you feel like it's unsafe, don't feel like you have to be Batman here and do the right thing. And risk personal harm if yes. you feel safe because you're older and you live out of the house and this is just about the relationship yeah if quality it's an, if it's an emotional thing that's yeah. holding you back then opposed, i would yeah. then i would say do what you think is right which mm-hmm. can be talking to your mom it could be talking to your father as well but yeah safety first you know if you're 15 and you can't get out you can't emancipate yourself and these people are um have a history of abuse like just count down till 18 yeah and then try to get a job and get out so yeah really really depends on your circumstances if if it is the case that you're you're not in an unsafe scenario, yeah, yeah, I'm just I'm just super close to sure, someone who grew sure. up like that. So if it is the case, uh, talk to your mom. the The snooping thing is so immaterial. Yeah. <laughs> if that gets thrown in your face. That's uh, just, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's weak, a gut reaction defense. to uh, somebody caught with their hand broken off in the cookie jar. <laughs> and what I think the best thing to do in these scenarios, though you can't always get the ideal, but this is the ideal given what's transpired, is look, I don't want to have to tell dad. But someone needs to. Yeah. And I don't want it to be me, but someone needs to. Yeah. And so I'm going to give you the opportunity to pull this together and do it. Uh, and you don't have to set a hard ultimatum in days, but like this has to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, yeah, this has been broken and he needs to be told that it's been broken mm-hmm. because I love him and I'm, I'm sorry. You know, that's, yeah, it's a bummer. that's, that's really tough. Uh, and what and I know that you might get thrown in your face. There might be some real immaturity coming from a bunch of places here. Yeah, if they break up and it gets blamed on you for being honest, just recognize that that's a very Those are some immature Im- and illogical yeah. emotional manipulation. You, but you didn't do the cheating. You are not at fault for knowing the truth. You don't have to take a side either. Telling, do, uh, encouraging, demanding that your mother tell the truth is not taking a side. To be clear, that's not anti your mother in any way. Uh, you can, and I know that this might be held against you, love both of your parents tremendously. If they try to turn you, I'm, I'm sorry, but you can have a truth that is not what people are going to tell you it is, which is I love you, and I love you, and I'm hardly disappointed in you, and I'm heartbroken by you know All of these things can be true at once. So I think you're, about to, you're, you're in for some very complicated emotions where seemingly paradoxical things will be true at the same time. Uh, and... And I guess the only thing that you can do is kind of embrace the complexity that your life is about to yeah is about to be. Good luck. Good luck. Next question. <laughs> what do we got? Uh, the next one comes from Eric. It's been a depressing podcast. <laughs> yeah, baby. Oh well, get ready for this question. <laughs> uh, Eric asks. Things are great, and I just wanted to ask. <laughs> First off, you started it. I said the world's getting better, and you're like, no. 
say it was neutral. No. I'll defend my honor. This is just as good as the Dark Ages. Neutral. <laughs> no, circumstances better. Altruism flat. Go ahead. Quality of life up. I was... <laughs> I was, in previous years, manipulative, selfish, unfaithful, and a compulsive liar. I lost a lot of quality people who I don't anticipate receiving closure from anytime soon. Sincerely can't blame them for that. Even though I've changed, the guilt and regret still looms over my moment-to-moment life. How do you guys um, how do you guys think one can go about forgiving themselves and moving on from this type of situation? Yeah. Sorry, have, a little heavy. No, no. I have literally never said this before in my life because I don't think it applies to most people, but you might like Landmark Forum, mm-hmm. which is a relatively inexpensive, I think. I forget. It's like a couple hundred bucks. Self-personal uh, development program that focuses a lot on this, actually. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's universally good for everybody, but I do think this is kind of what they specialize in is yeah. moving, moving past your own history and past and yeah. releasing self blame. So I'll check that out. It's two days. It's very intense, but it could be life changing. That's a good, that's a good one. So first off, congrats. I think that paragraph is a thing. If there are people who are those things, 99.9% of them never come around to saying it mm-hmm. <laughs> like that. You know, I have been X, Y, Z. Yeah. Uh, so congratulations for that. Uh, with regards to forgiveness, what stands in the way oftentimes is a belief that one ought to be punished for what one has done. Uh, and that that is the, in many cases, the biggest, I don't deserve to feel good or to feel proud of my present day accomplishments because of my past. And Landmark is a great thing. If you want a book that sort of talks about this, I think the 12-step program, if you look at it in AA, and Russell Brand has a book called Recovery, has is much less about alcohol specifically and much more about reviewing your past and coming to terms, seeking to make amends with the things that you have done, and to forgiving yourself. Seeking forgiveness where other people can give it to you, but taking the steps required to forgive oneself. So that could be a nice program for you as well. Uh but everything that you have done, and this is kind of, I, I don't know if this is going to resonate, but I'll say it. I don't believe in free will. <laughs> I think that when people have done things, they do them having done the best that they could at that time. And people go, I should have known better. It's like, what do you mean you should have known better? Mm-hmm. Were the thoughts in your head more enlightened? No. Well, they were really terrible, bad thoughts. Okay. What do you think was driving you? Like it was these these terrible thoughts combined with my circumstances combined with this made awful behavior. That's not exempting you and saying continue doing that behavior in the future. Mm -hmm. It's to have compassion and recognize that given all the ingredients in this behavioral pie, of course you were that way. And to have empathy, understanding for that person. And I think from understanding, if you can review why you did the things, comes forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing I would say, as someone who has stayed up at night reviewing things they wish they'd done differently in the past, even for stupid reasons, no amount of thinking about the past actually lets you go back there and change it. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of awkward conversations uh, with women in college that I have reviewed ashamedly, <laughs> and none of them have magically gotten better. <laughs> so what I would say is there's nothing you can do. It sucks. It happened. What you can control is the future, because I do believe in free will. And I think that actually if you go carry yourself going forward as somebody who is attempting to do good in the world help people volunteer be positive make people smile 
and make it so that you can look back on your recent history and be proud of yourself that if you live that way that you'll start to look at the totality of your life and be able to be proud of it and be proud of who you are today because today is just a moment really mm -hmm. and i think that that is the ultimately the recipe to forgiving yourself loving yourself is going you know what these things did happen but today I'm going to help a homeless person. I'm going to volunteer at a dog shelter. I'm going to make people smile and laugh and doing it for a week and a month. And then being proud of who you are today does not require you to be proud of everything you've done in the past. So that would be my advice. Mm -hmm. Good luck. I think, all, I think that can all be very helpful. Free will isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. You chose to say that. I got one more. Um, I saw, Ben, that you had replied to this one in the comments, but I, I didn't know if you wanted to bring it up in the podcast, so I have it here. Uh, sure. John asked... I get in the comments sometimes, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I like to see what people are saying. <laughs> Thank you, guys, by the way. I, I, I put out a call for uh, for reviews, and I saw I saw some reviews came in, so thank you, guys. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> uh, so John wants to know... Do you consider that the podcast may diminish your perceived authority by revealing your biases more prominently? So can I share what I wrote? Yeah. I'm not going to get it word for word, but I think if the, so the idea is that by being real on the podcast, are we going to hurt our charisma channel? Uh -huh. I think if our success with charisma on command is predicated on hiding the truth, yeah, yeah. then we are doomed. Yeah. And so my hope is that by coming on here and being thoughtful and honest and real and sharing where we do not have our PhDs, but why we think that that doesn't matter, that if anything, it will actually be beneficial to Charisma on Command as people can see who we are and decide are these kind of the people I want to learn from. Because I think when you learn from somebody, you take everything from them. It's really hard yeah. to pick and choose. So no, my hope is that we don't have to hide who we really are in order to have a <laughs> successful business. Well, and I'll, I'll uh, to acknowledge the point that I think is is kind of baked in there, which is true, which is the more human someone becomes, the less idealized they can be. That's true. By their very nature. And so, yes, I'm not concerned with this. I think that is a fact mm -hmm. that I will become more of a total human to people who see me only in 10-minute spurts. You will Less see of like me. an idolized charisma paragon. I will use, say the word um. I will stumble over my words. When mm -hmm. I'm speaking in front of a camera and I know the five points that I'm going to say— that's going to come across differently than when I speak to you here and go, I don't know what to do about homeless people, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> so, yes, I do think that it's going to hurt my authority, and I don't really care. <laughs> I don't mind if that's the case. I don't think that one needs to be perfect in order to have a valuable message. Mm -hmm. I think that charisma on command can stand on its own, and any criticisms of me as a person do not detract from the value of when you enter a room, this is solid Smile. advice. I actually do. I do like the idea of having Charisma on Command exist as a proof is in the pudding type thing. That's why yeah. we have a 60 day. So we have a 60 day money back guarantee. No questions asked. We course, get emails yeah. that are hilarious where people are like, I absolutely love this course, but the currency in my country just plummeted. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you get, you don't have to tell us why. So I'm hoping that people aren't going to buy Charisma University because they idolize Ben Altman, but they're going to buy it because... They think it will help them mm -hmm. and then they will refund or not based on if it helps them. Mm -hmm. And that's the business that I'd like to run anyway. And so whether or not I have an interesting take on Bernie Sanders or Syria, yeah. hopefully that can coexist on a podcast while Charisma on Command exists helping people. And the reason this podcast exists is because if you think about it, I have a megaphone. 
if I want to make content, I can do it on the Charisma on Command channel. But quite frankly, I got tired of being one facet of a person mm. publicly. It was mm. I told Ben, I was like, I cannot keep doing this and having people writing me thinking that this is this is what I eat, sleep, and breathe constantly. I'm interested in so many other things. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't get an email from someone saying, hey, I'm trying to learn charisma, but yeah. I play video games an hour a night. <laughs> yeah. What do I do? Like, they need to know that I also <laughs> waste time. And I play video games. And uh, there, there's a... That was, that was one of the feelings. And also, we're still not 100% there, but... I swore on a on a Charisma on Command YouTube video, and I got a handful of emails from teachers who say, I cannot show my students your stuff anymore because you said shit. And I just said on the podcast, and I and I we bleep it often, but I... It's actually hilarious. Andrew, keep bleeping it because it really <laughs> makes me giggle when I watch it. I, I appreciate the freedom, and I recognize, okay, I am acting in some ways as an icon on this channel, as a figurehead. And of course, the story, it's all real, but it's, it's one facet of, of who yeah, I am. Yeah. And the ability to be more total on this podcast is, I was craving it, like absolutely uh, hungry for it. So yes, it will diminish my perceived authority. And yes, I'm, I'm it's so excited about that. <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't be more thrilled. Uh, so that's that's what I think. Good question. Yeah, Good, thoughtful question. Anything else? I think we're gonna call someone. That's right? the last question. Yeah, but do you want to do the call? Okay. Hello. I'm... Hello. Can you hear me? Uh, yes. Hello. How's it How, going? How's it going? This is Charlie. I'm here with Ben. Ben, say what up. Hey, how's it going? What is your name? Uh, my name is Muhammad. Muhammad, thank you for uh, for allowing us to call you. Uh, we got we got some space for a podcast question. If you want to hop in and ask us anything, of course. Well, first of all, uh, thank you for choosing me. I don't know who chose me, or maybe it's Angel. <laughs> Angel, so, hello, He's... Angel. Hello, Ben. <laughs> hello, Charlie. Uh, I've been a fan and religiously watching the channel for years now. So that's awesome. Excited to finally have some personal contact. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you again for calling in. What's going on with you today? Of course, yeah. So, like what I've written, I'll kind of set up uh, what the situation is and then ask the question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, when, basically, when it comes to charisma, I think you guys can relate to this, the people listening can relate to this. We all kind of strive into being good at reading people. So, uh -huh. when we meet strangers, we want to know if they're into us, if they're not into us, if they're kind of uncomfortable, so we can kind of manage situ the situation and do a better job. And uh -huh. uh, I think after practicing a lot of uh, what you guys talk about, I've read the books and uh, did, like watched a lot of videos, I think I've gotten really good at it. But I think I still make a lot of mistakes when I read out or try to read people. Mm -hmm. And uh, one example that I can give is, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. You see someone, you recognize them, and uh, you think, oh, they look pissed, so I should probably not talk to them. Maybe they're just having a bad day, or maybe even, uh, maybe that's their face. Maybe they're just, that's how they look when they're not, uh, when they're thinking, maybe. Mm -hmm. So that's one example. And the other reason why it made me think about this a lot is the newest uh, book by Malcolm Gladwell, which talks about, it's called Talking to Strangers, came out 
the last month. Okay. And it's all about how we suck at reading uh, other people. And uh, he talks about the issue of transparency, which uh, basically means uh, not everyone shows what they feel on their face. Like mm -hmm. uh, when we're stressed, uh, maybe uh, like we're better at managing stress and we look very comfortable, but we may be actually be stressed. Sure. So with all of that in mind, uh, my question is, do you think... Uh, having a mentality of, oh, I'm good at reading people can actually cause us to be uh, worse at reading people. And we think like, oh, I, I'm actually good at this. So this guy looks pissed. So I shouldn't, I should, shouldn't probably talk to them. Or maybe a girl looks kind of not interested. So mm -hmm. I shouldn't talk to her. I should look for someone who looks more interested. Or should we kind of be more questioning of their, of our uh, perception of what people are like mm -hmm. and kind of battle through that and actually go and talk to these people got it so i think there's a so two things that that immediately came to mind the first is that in almost every skill there's something called the dunning kruger effect which is to say that the people who think they are the best at something are often uh not the best there's <laughs> they're often case the worst uh, and mm -hmm. it's only after going through the curve of learning a ton that you recognize how much more there is to learn in any particular skill set. Uh, so people who are the most confident in whatever it is are the newbies and the experts. And the people in the middle, are, are they've recognized that they're not all the way there. So that's the first thing that I thought is simply being confident that you're actually reading someone does not mean that you're accurately getting a read on that person. It might mean that you're mm -hmm. at the beginning stages of learning how to do this. That's the first thought. Uh, the second thing is that any any evidence that you gather from someone, it sounds like you're assessing prior to speaking to them, is going to be some portion of the pie, though, of course, not the whole pie. And there are going to be exceptions where someone is sitting there with a scowl on their face, grumbling in their phone, going, God damn, you know, okay, that person's pissed. But if you're looking at a relatively neutral-faced person who is standing there, uh, your ability to accurately read their internal state is incredibly low, right? The only way to know with a higher degree of accuracy is to engage with that person, is to speak with them. Now, if they go from, you know, you're talking, they look completely disinterested and they talk to you and their eyes light up, which I've had happen, and they go, oh, I was sorry, I was just in my own head. I was, you know, thinking of something that's a sign that oh wow my initial thought about this person that was completely disinterested was in fact wrong they were just thinking about something uh but what i would say is data gleaned from an interaction is going to usually be more value than data seen from 12 feet away with the exception of somebody throwing a fit and one, one okay. other thing i would say because all of your examples were someone that you haven't spoken to yet mm-hmm if you're in conversation with somebody, I think there's definitely an ability to read nonverbal indications and tell if they're enjoying the conversation or not, or want to leave or don't. But a lot of people are anxious about talking to strangers. So they immediately yeah. don't want to do it. And so when they're assessing if somebody looks friendly or not, or looks busy or not, their brain, their subconscious, an attempt to dissuade them from doing the thing that's scary and protect them from rejection, which they're terrified of, will fabricate yeah. reasons that the person can't be approached. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can't talk to that person because they're frowning, because they're looking at their phone, because they're in line. And 
a lot of that is ego self-defense. A lot of that is I'm going to figure out how to excuse the fact that what I, is really happening is I'm scared. So I would just ask yourself that. Are all of these people actually not approachable or are you scared? And if the answer is you're scared, then I would say the right thing to do is go do it. And it can be as simple as saying, hey, what's up? One sentence and then, all right, cool, thanks. And then gone, right? You're not you're not trying to make everyone your best friend. I'll but... get, and I'll give you a quick heuristic that'll help, which is, I know this mm-hmm. is general, but in any group, usually some people, in fact, usually most people, are willing to be approached. Now, if there are going to be situations where this isn't the case, whatever. But like yeah. people people converse with people in places. Yeah, so <laughs> if, you, if you think that 10% of the population looks unapproachable, sure. maybe you have an accurate yeah. read. Yeah. If you think that 90% yeah. of people look like they're scowling or unapproachable or too busy or whatever, and you are walking around a bar or a party or a library and you find that everyone here just wants to be left alone, then potentially it's your mind trying to make you not do the thing that you're scared of and of course it's relative to i mean you gave three examples all of which are different right if you're looking around a bar and everyone looks unapproachable yeah. that's probably not the case they're at a bar if they're at a library reading a book you know what i mean like maybe they're doing a, uh some sort of no, study that's for a, the class. That's a fair point but uh, no i said uh, my observations were not only based most of them i would say are based on people that i haven't approached yet Mm-hmm. But uh, it can happen. Like just a few weeks ago, I was having a conversation with a coworker, and uh, like she got, I think, was uncomfortable with the conversation. But instead of uh, being mad, she was nervously laughing. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, she's uh, like she, she doesn't look uncomfortable. She's laughing," which obviously I've learned. Ner- like people can be just nervously laughing when they're un- uncomfortable. So I am learning from these situations. But again. I keep making mistakes well, let's, uh, reading people. Let's let's dive deeper because I'm censoring that there's a, a deeper question here. And it's uh, your hypothesis, it sounds like, is that you m- people don't like to talk to you is what it is, what you sound like you think you're you know, you've made this woman uncomfortable. Is that a fair assessment of how you feel um, about yourself? Uh, no, I wouldn't say so. Actually. OK, OK. So why it sounds like this question is directed towards uh is you know people that the the scenarios are often that you're you're finding yourself in where you feel like people are uh nervous or disinterested or other things so can you explain to me the uh particular interest in this subject that's why i had uh, an inkling that this was what the way that you felt about yourself so it's kind of similar to you guys when you read a good youtube comment it's like oh that was nice but when somebody Mm. says something bad it affects you. I was like, what did I do wrong? I need to work on myself. Got it. So it's, kind so, of, it's kind of my personality. When I do something wrong, I need to assess it and actually kind of work on it. I see. And I am learning uh, so, from these situations. So you're mostly having positive interactions, you would say, and then there's these handful that stand out in your head as something that you want to address. Yeah. So what I'm asking basically is is having a, I know that I know nothing when it comes to reading uh. people's mindsets better <laughs> than thinking, I know how to read everyone. No, no. So for instance, I, I don't, so you're talking to somebody, they're laughing, but you think that laughter is nervous. I actually don't think it's to your benefit necessarily to just ignore that information in your head and go, oh, I'm going to plow forward until yeah. they say they're nervous. I would actually okay. respect that. And then since it's a coworker, I assume you weren't talking about anything, you know, you're not, you're not hitting on them. You're just having a conversation. If I saw my coworker laughing, but I thought it was nervous, I think that's a good indication to just move on to a totally different topic. So you yeah. don't have to run away. You don't have to 
unless you said something really crazy, you don't have to apologize, but you do take that feedback into consideration and you go, okay, yeah, like, sure. based on my ability to read people, I'm reading this conversation topic makes this person uncomfortable. So I'm going to very quickly transition to a different topic. And then if you see the person's body language relax and they smile and their laughter seems more genuine and less nervous, then you know you've hit on something and then good for you. Yeah. Does that make sense? It, it does. And I think, I think that's kind of what I'm trying to do and uh, what everyone should do when they're learning charisma is kind of mm-hmm. uh, trying to have to pick up these feedbacks and learning from them. But I think uh, a, most, uh, a more uh, obvious question would say, oh, like you guys, I consider you like kind of mentors when it comes to these kind of things. Do you uh, like leave some space in mind? Well, I could be wrong when I'm reading people. Like uh, when you're out talking to someone, do you kind of leave some room that maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, or are you kind of confident? Okay. Yeah. No. I'm. I. I. I would say that I don't often sit and. Uh, well, I'm a hundred percent certain that I do not know anyone's inner life, and and as I get older, I get more and more certain of that. What I would mm-hmm. say with regards to my interactions is. I focus mostly on just trying to be fun, smiley, positive. And then there's people that I I can think of an example. There was somebody who was sick, who was uh, at a place where I go to get food. And that Mm -hmm. day, you know, that day things were like not, it was just not feeling any of the jokes. Now, I think what's important to do in these situations contextually is ask yourself, okay, is this, what is the commonality here? Is everyone that I'm talking to feeling uncomfortable? Okay, then the commonality is me. Is it always uh-huh. this particular individual that feels uncomfortable? Okay, maybe that's the way that this person approaches the world. Or is it when I talk to people who are highly stressed or when they're highly sick? Because then it goes, okay, sick and stressed people. So or certain topics. It's for certain topics. So you don't yeah. – the answer is not always going to be that you have done something wrong. Sometimes that is the answer. And I, I'm not there. I can't see what's going on. Uh, yeah. But – search for the commonality and if the commonality uh has more to do with them than you then just avoid those external circumstances more than uh search internally and if the answer is more you then make adjustments within yourself does that make sense no totally yeah i think uh what i said is like a one in a hundred thing that happens Mm -hmm. but you know i I just dwell on it and i am so (laughs) obsessed with self-improvement that i i need to understand what that is maybe i just i'm too arrogant in my ability to read people that i should maybe question that and having you guys say oh maybe sometimes we also yeah leave room for for the uh, possibility that you may be wrong Mm -hmm. uh, i know when we're self-conscious we think oh they hate me so yeah yeah. kind of uh it's something wrong with me but no maybe they're having a bad day maybe it's it's a lot of explanations. So you know, we we get a lot of questions that I think are not on the surface like yours, but underlying are like yours, which is uh, people beating themselves up or thinking that they need to do charisma twenty four hours a day or thinking that if they have yeah. a bad conversation, they need to pour over it. And and what I would say to them and and to you is, if it's one in a hundred, I mean, sure you can get better, but. The that's next, an insane, I honestly struggle to imagine that that's, the next, that's the next journey high. of your self-improvement, uh, the next leg of your self-improvement journey is going to be self-love and relaxation and, uh, and giving yourself 
some credit for the 99 things that are going well and and not making the object of your focus what 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 is imperfect so frequently so I, I do think that's going to be the next thing, and we've got a bunch of videos on self love, and I think that's <laughs> that's really where I think when I hear yeah. when I hear one out of a hundred is wrong, but that's where my focus is. I go, okay, take a deep breath, relax. Everything's everything's going fine. It sounds like makes sense. Uh, it does, yeah. It's uh, yeah. As I said, it's something that I've been kind of because I also study psychology and communication. That's literally all I surround myself with. Mm-hmm. Uh, the books that I read all are like kind of related to that, so it's uh, it's been on my mind for a while. And talking to you guys really, uh, I don't know that that really helps. Good, good. Go have fun. That's what I would say. You know what I mean? Like I think uh, this can become a chore in an attempt to do it right. Anything can. All the, the basketball can become a chore. Anything that you love. The idea of this is to enjoy your time and to have other people enjoy their time with you. So. Uh, let yourself get back to basics, man. Just have have uh, fun with this, and allow yourself for a day or a week to don't to not worry about improving. And I think that you'll find that paradoxically, things go even better, and and I think you'll feel better too. That's wow. That's actually really good advice. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I hope it. I hope it helps. <laughs> it it really does. Thank you, guys. Awesome. All right, Mohammed. Thanks for calling in, and uh, and hopefully let us know how that goes in the comments. <laughs> Sounds good. I, I will for sure. All right. Thanks, take, guys. Take care. Bye. I think what that we've I've seen this question now a handful of times, and I, I presume he sounds like a younger person. That, that there's this uh, subset of younger. They're often guys, but I imagine that there's women in there as well who have some of whom who have called us, and really they they probably came to charisma because things aren't going well Mm -hmm. and then they start doing it and things start going better but what they can't let go of is that younger version of themselves that is doesn't feel good enough Mm -hmm. and then we get questions like one time it doesn't go well what what do i I you gotta whip yourself more (laughs) you need to beat yourself it's that's not the case i had a woman i had a uh, charisma university woman came to la and so we got lunch and afterwards she i forget if she wrote me a text or an email apologizing because she was nervous yeah and yeah like, I, know, I know i came off you know poorly but like make... i'm really I, i'm normally more comfortable and i wrote back i said i'm gonna be honest until this message i thought lunch was great i thought you came <laughs> off really confidently you were really nice i thought we had a pleasant conversation the thing to change here wouldn't be your outward behavior yeah it would be how you are perceiving yourself moment to moment yeah. because i was sitting there going this is a great lunch. Yeah. And she was sitting there going, I'm blowing it. Yeah. I'm blowing it. Yeah. And yeah, I, that's an experience I had with a, a CU member. It's just it's like, yeah, this, this isn't a problem with how you're facing the world. Yeah. It's this, just your, your inner voice. This is the second course I want to make. And we've, we've done emotional mastery. I want to redo it because I think I see it like this. This was my, in many ways, my journey was, was from inner and outer world are not the way I want it getting the outer world to reflect what i'd like it to be right raises successes friends wanting to hang out you Mm -hmm. know dating all that kind of stuff but then still not totally feeling at ease with it yeah yeah and then and that's where i would say i'm much more at ease now and Mm -hmm. and have something to share about the the inside game but Mm -hmm. uh 
man yeah it's like weirdly enough i do think part of personal development is like you eat well you do all these things yeah you, you have optimize. to do it first you have to do it you first have to because optimize. at one point your inner voice is accurate mm -hmm. you're sitting there going oh my god this lunch is so awkward and the person sitting across yep. the table is going can we get the check i'll pay for it I'm, i gotta get out of here and yeah. so that inner voice is useful and what you have to change is your behavior you need to not make everyone around you uncomfortable yeah. or you need to not be terribly out of uh health or whatever it is yeah. So at some point, that's an accurate diagnosis and you should change the world. Mm -hmm. If the world changes around you and that inner voice continues to Which be brutal to you. Which is almost always the case. Yeah. Then that's when phase two occurs. And I do think it's phase two, which is cool. Now that the situation is actually good in the external world, let's figure out how to love myself so I can enjoy it. Yeah. But I think it's hard to skip that first step. I no, do, no, no. I've seen can't. people try to use NLP or whatever to... I'm just going to say things are great, things are great, things are great. It's like that meme with the dog cartoon where everything is on fire and he's like, this is fine. And it doesn't work in real life. You, yeah. you will run out of money or you will run into health issues. So, yeah, I think phase one, external world. Equally important. Phase two, external world is good. Internal world. Yeah. And I think that's how you have to do it. That's, that's certainly been my experience. Um, maybe some people can go the reverse, which God bless them unless you go you could go full monk mode you yeah. could just move to tibet but that's external world to some extent you're going i'm just going to eschew money and relationships yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm going to go with no dating and no wealth and be a buddhist monk so i think weirdly enough that follows because the first thing you do is move there mm -hmm. and you get ready your external world is now a check and then you work on the internal yeah i've said this in a video but i want to say it again because i think it's important there's phases to life as you mentioned mm -hmm. And often what you need in one phase is the exact opposite of what you needed in the in the preceding phase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what you heard was this optimization phase. And I experienced this. We had our checklists and our boards and our this. And it was the right thing mm -hmm. to be doing when we were 24. Mm -hmm. And what I had to do around 28, 29 was throw out all of my optimization goals. And so if that's where you find yourself at whatever age you are you're like man i've done this optimization thing and i'm still not feeling it weirdly enough you got to step away from the checklist and this and the internal uh checking but if you're 16 and you've never done any of this or if you're 32 yeah, and you've yeah. spent your entire life being out of shape or yeah, uncharismatic yeah. and you're like today is the day it's not an age thing if you're like mm -hmm. today is the day i work on my confidence yeah and you have crippling lack of confidence you're perfectly placed to be yeah. in phase one yeah so I hope that I hope that helps. It's just interesting that is a consistent thing, and I'll have to figure out how to address that more frequently. I think in videos that we do, because I mm -hmm. don't want people thinking that you focus on this stuff forever. Yeah, yeah. Because it it has diminishing returns once you've gotten to a certain place. Yeah. Well, I do I do think emotional mastery is really good. Actually, I I've, my plan is that once we get you some help with scripting the YouTube videos, I would like us to make emotional mastery really really sexy and good like cu mm -hmm. is and then to offer it to people yeah because i think it's really good yeah we'll work on it anyways guys thanks for the podcast tuning in sorry for the downers next week we'll promise some more positive news <laughs> we'll talk flash forward to next week i'm just like <laughs> oh my god things are terrible in my life all right talk to you guys later peace when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.